WWF, what the world is watching. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the New England Sports Network. I'm Gorilla Monsoon here at ringside with my good friend and longtime colleague, his lordship, Alfred Hayes, set to bring you all the action and what a beauty in the way of a main event we have, Alfred, with the world's heavyweight champion, Hulk Hogan, putting his title on the line against the big guy, Killer Khan. Really, I've been waiting to see this match because I really believe that if there's one man in the World Wrestling Federation who could take that title from the champion, it is Killer Khan. And certainly may happen right here in the Boston Garden. Let's go up to ringside. Welcome to the 24-inch podcast. My name is Steve Bennett, and with me right now is the lovely and beautiful Paula Bennett. Hey, Paula, how you doing tonight? Good. Good. Yeah, what's new? What's new with you, baby? Um, let's see. Let me think. You can talk right. All right. Well, it's a 24-inch podcast. We are back. Great show for you today. Hollywood Dave Rollins will join us in a minute. Uh, in the meantime, the business for today it is season four. Uh, we are doing episode number two of season four, episode 47 overall. Um, Paula is here. Dave will be here later. Uh, it is the Boston Garden tonight, September 12th, 1987, the Boston Garden card. Killer Khan is Hulk's opponent, um, and that will lead you also to stories of Dave and Mai's first time going to see live wrestling. Paula, I've seen that. In a couple of weeks, there's going to be a wrestling show in Niagara Falls, and the demolition will be there to sign autographs. Cool. I don't know if we should go to check them out. Maybe we should. But I have a quick question. Okay. This is an audience question and my question. When's the next show going to be? Are you going to have a delay or anything like that? What's the shows? N- what kind of show? The next 24 IP? Yep. Yeah, probably like two weeks. Two weeks? Yeah, we're doing them like every two or three weeks. We'll probably do one more before we go to New Jersey to see Dave. Paul's going to meet Dave in a couple weeks. I am. Yay. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. Well, I'm going to New Jersey to see Italy play. Yeah. Dad, don't you have some not exciting news for you, but not too exciting because it's somebody else? You know what I mean. Oh, yeah. We recently scheduled my grandma Paul's birth. Or celebrated, not scheduled. Yes. Celebrated my grandma Paula's 95th birthday. She's nice. That was really fun. We've gotten a little bit of snow. <coughs> we had my nephew's or niece's birthday. Mm. What else has been going on here in Buffalo with you? You were sick for a couple of days. Yes, I still have a little bit of a sore throat. A little bit of sore throat. What movie did we watch last night that you liked? Indian in the Cupboard. She watched Indian in the Cupboard. We liked that movie. You liked Dustin the... 
Like, it was so funny that, like, the cowboy died for a minute. I almost cried. Yeah. But then, like, they got the help guy, and it was all the thing. Let me ask you a couple wrestling questions. Number one. Okay. What are your thoughts on Killer Khan, the guy who spits the green stuff in Hulk's eyes? I hate him. Who is scarier, Killer Killer Khan or Sika? Sika. What about Killer Khan or Kamala? Kamala. Okay, Killer Khan or Big Boss Man when he's bad? Big Boss Man when he's mad. I need to think about this one. You can. All right, Killer Khan or Big Boss Man. Um, King Kong Bundy. King Kong Bundy was Hulk. I meant King Kong Bundy was Hulk. Who's scarier, Bundy or Khan? Khan. Bundy. 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 Okay, so Khan's not that scary to you then? No. Even though he spits the green stuff in Hulk's eyes. Okay. Are you looking forward to the show tonight? I much am. Are you going to listen? Yes. All right. You want to tell the people goodbye? See you next time? Goodbye. I hope I can see you in the next um time. Come meet Paula in Jersey. Yes. If you're in Jersey and you're a fan of me and you only like this podcast because of me. If you're at the Italy game, Italy versus Ecuador. Yeah, or you're just near New York or wherever you live. Or if you want to buy Paula an American Girl doll toy. Don't you think? You don't have to if you you don't want to. Those are really expensive, so you don't have to do it if you don't want. But I am there and I. I will come with a paper and pen wherever I go if anybody. <laughs> Paul's uh, side autograph. I'll probably come with a pen if anybody. You know what? Me and Mom went to our honeymoon. I met a fan there and took him to dinner. Mm-hmm. Ford I might, Kendrick. If I might take a fan and I'll just, I'll say, do you want to? I'll have a pen with me all the time. But if I'm in my pocket or in my purse, I'm probably gonna bring those too. And I'll have it there, and I'll be like, "Hi, are you a fan?" Yeah, I like the sportscasters, like a little girl who just, like, watches, like, listens. But, yeah, or the next Paula Pod who likes the Paula Pod, because that's going to be out probably by that time. Whoever likes the Paula Pod, like, I'll be there. Just, I don't know how to make my name in cursive, so I'll probably just um, write it normally with a, like, nice letter. All right, well, we're going to take a break. We'll come back with Dave. We'll get this thing started. Thank Dave. you, Paula. See you You're next welcome. episode. Goodbye, people. Fans of the 24-Inch Podcast, please check out the Sportscasters Podcast. Season 14 just started. You can find more information on Twitter at sports underscore casters. You can email the pod, the sportscasters at gmail.com. And at Sportscasters on Instagram. For more information on the 24-inch podcast, find us on Twitter at 24-inch podcast. Instagram at 24 underscore inch underscore podcast. And email us to 24inch podcast at gmail.com. To find Steve and Dave in video talking Hulk Hogan, check the North-South Connection video page on YouTube, brother. Twenty-four inch podcast. We are back. Thanks to the lovely Paula Bennett uh, for joining us. Now, as always, I am joined from Carney, New Jersey, by.
by my good pal and friend Dave Rollins. What's up, buddy? Steve, how the hell are you doing? Uh, not too much. Um, you know, we had a little snow here in uh, Kearney, New Jersey this week, and they make a big uh, ordeal out of this crap. It's a couple of inches, you know. To you, it's like a dusting, you know? Yeah. <laughs> my brother lives in Jersey now, and he, you know, obviously lived here for a long time, and he says, you're pathetic. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree 100%. Well, when I was a youngster, though, it wasn't like if we if if snowed that little we would have had school. Me and my mom were talking about you know slipping on the ice, walk when she was walking to school in first grade, that kind of thing. It's so, liabilities uh, and stuff now. It's it's because of lawyers, I guess. Yep. Yeah, things have changed. Yep. It's yeah. because of the lawyers and and the schools are in fear. If we keep the superintendents, they have to make the decision. You know, if I make the wrong decision, they're going to sue me personally. Right know, and things like that. So that it, that's really what it is. They'll be uh, going to school till July. If, if we get a, bli- a real blizzard in March, still, you know, and get you really have to be off for three, four days sometimes. Yeah, could well, happen in March. Luckily here, there. We always heard this as a kid. Oh, if you get too many snow days, they're gonna have to add days on. I've been here for forty years plus. I've never, it's never happened here. But we do budget for that maybe differently. That we, a school uh, district, district in New Jersey might like we we go into a year knowing there's going to be four at least right so they budget for that so we'll see okay. but um since we've been apart um it's been a crazy couple of weeks in the wrestling world and I will reference people to the Sportscasters podcast um I had the pleasure of speaking with Brian Alvarez who is from Wrestling Observer Newsletter he had been on the show before. Uh, I think promoting the death of the WCW book. Um, And I was reaching out all week to everyone in wrestling. I reached out to Mike Johnson. I reached out to Meltzer. I reached out to Justin Barrasso. I reached out to Alvarez. And Alvarez got back to me first. Barrasso eventually did. Never heard from Johnson or Dave. Um, uh, In fairness, Dave, I emailed one time like, Almost like a Hail Mary because I was getting worried I wouldn't get anyone. Uh, but the current wrestling fans have told me I held my ground pretty good. Our friend Ryan Gray helped me prep a little bit. And there's a lot of discussion there on the Raw deal for Netflix on uh, the Vince McMahon issues, on um, the problems they've had with WrestleMania. Um, all these different things that have been in the news and people heard what I think. They heard what Alvarez thinks. I wanted them to give you a chance to hear what Dave thinks. Dave, are there any of these issues in particular you'd like to talk about, and what are your thoughts on them? Well, I think everybody knows my, my thoughts on uh, the modern wrestling product and how, how the fans dictate stuff, and I don't like that. However, this time I may have put my foot in my mouth a little bit because I have, after I spoke to you about that Brian Alvarez uh, interview, I would never – knock any of your guests you know you did a very very good job as you know i'm not a big fan of those type you know the Meltzer types no no and, they are what they uh, are right those guys they, are what yeah, they are I mean, they're we, wrestling tabloid journalists and everybody I, I presented right them their, as such you know what i mean right yeah everyone has a right to their opinion and all yeah. but how, how so i thought like you know they catered to the marks and the rock was gone out of wrestlemania but what we got from catering to the marks is a heel rock and i watched that press conference after I talked to you, and I my eyes were glued on it like it hasn't been glued on wrestling in years. I thought it was. I thought everybody did a phenomenal job. 
I was even impressed by somebody that I've buried for years, Seth Rollins. I thought he did a great job. And um, I'm interested in seeing – I really am interested in seeing where it goes from here. What, what, I'll be, I will be watching WrestleMania. I was, I was misunderstood on the whole thing, thinking that The Rock was just you know, going to you know, step aside. We're not going to see him anymore. But that's not the a heel. There's nothing better than a heel rock. You know what sure. I mean? So yeah, and he. Uh, That's really gonna, the birth of the character was in that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, the yeah. transition from the nation to domination to him on him on his own. You know, bringing the uh, one of my favorite raw moments is when he brought the picture of himself. Uh, yeah. gave it as a gift. You know, that's really where the character was born, and maybe where it's best. I think the thing we disagreed on the most, and maybe this was a uh, sometimes when you're you're texting, things get lost in the in the sauce a little bit. Sure. But I don't. I think the difference this time is it wasn't just the Smarks. It wasn't just the Marks. It was all of their fans felt this way. All right. See the people in the crowds, the people with the signs, the people anywhere you could find fans. This was the opinion. I think they were. I did hear their handing out signs. Rocky sucks though too. So I mean, it could, it could go either way. But I mean, you could agree agree to disagree there. But um. Uh, I like that they play Cody as a straight up baby face. He's not like a um like he's not teetering the line. Am I right about that? Oh, yeah, I think that's 100% true. So that's that's, that's kind of good. That's kind of going back in, in our way. You know, where you have a you actually have a baby face, a true baby face, not and you know, a true heel. Yeah, and, a true. and a true heel, and especially the Rock. If anybody's going to get overshadowed here, it's going to be Roman Reigns. Yes. Oh, know? yeah, cuz he's maybe the um, weakest of the 3, too. Right. And um well, the only thing I worry about with the marks, like you know, they get their flavor of the week, and then you know they push, they push for this guy. Then once they get, but what they when, want, when it's two pull, years, pull is, when year. it's two years, is that still a week? A part of me, two years still can be called a week because we're two years into the Cody Rhodes thing now. No, I mean like if he wins the title and they get what they want, a right? Year but from now, th- this some story new will that has that has boosted the business, and they are in a boost. Any metric you can find now. You can say, well, if you go back to this point, they're not ahead of that. Fine. They're they're ahead of where they were in 2015, 2016, 17, 18, up to the weird thing they built during the pandemic. I mean, well, they're certainly can't count that. No, you wouldn't count that. They're okay. certainly up in every metric you can find. Tell um, you, if they keep doing stuff like that press conference, they're going to go up and up and up. And I that think, you know, yeah, that was good. I just think. At some point, you know, and, and this is something we joked about online. I'm a hater. You know, you said you'll watch us. I ain't watching this. I still don't give a shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, I'm, I'm, I'll be watching it. When Mania so. comes. Now, what I might watch, though, I, let me preface that. When I look on Twitter and it's five minutes from the main event, then I might put it on. Right. I cannot sit through these five-hour shows with these 40-minute breaks in between the matches where they show these painfully long video packages and commercials and waste. The pace of the show is so mind-numbing for me. I could never again watch a show from beginning well, to even end. Even with the regular TV content. It's gonna, like, I'm, I want, after I watch the press conference, I'm like, oh, my God, I, I might start watching wrestling again. And it's like, you know, do I really want to DVR three hours of Raw and sit oh. there and then SmackDown and NXT? And, it's it's too much. I'd li- I would like a two-hour show. You know, then maybe another hour show somewhere on the weekend. You know what I mean? On a Saturday evening. Or, you know, I mean, WrestleMania Saturday is evening. close to eight hours now, over two days, yeah, yeah, admittedly. Two days. Yeah. 
But yeah, the problem um, is, and then if you add up the ring time, it's like five and a half, six. So, I mean, the amount of time they waste, whew, I, it's not for me. I've always admitted it's just not for me. Now there's someone out there. They want it. They're, they're doing a two screen experience anyway. So they're going to spend that downtime on their phone and on TikTok and playing Roblox and beating their meat and whatever else they do in that time. <laughs> that So again, for someone else, it probably works great. If you're there, you get a chance to look around in Philadelphia. You go have a cheesesteak in the. Yeah, you it's know. like a party. Yeah. Go. Okay. So, uh, and people love to go to it. They spend millions of dollars to do it. I would never, ever be interested. So I admit straight up, it's not for me. Um, but I can also admit uh, when they have something good for the people it's for, you know, for the people that are going to make them because I'm not going to make them money now anymore. Right. Like I watch most of my wrestling on a drive they don't know about, you know, like right. <laughs> and, and I am a Peacock subscriber, you know, um, I was before they got on, on there, but um, uh, so I guess that, but they don't put out the DVDs anymore. I used to buy those, you know, uh, there's not many books left that I'd want to read that they write, that they write certainly. Um, so, you know, I'm not the customer. I understand that there's no hard feelings, um, but I think they're cooking pretty good right now for people who are into the meat that they're cooking and, um. I wish them the best. I wish the boys in the I, I love the business. Like I'm glad these guys are working. I'm glad they're making money. You know, I'm glad they're safer now. You know, hopefully, hopefully the kids today, uh, when they're having, you know, uh, 2010 wrestling con, it's going to be an amazing turnout because 75% of the people aren't dead. You know, like I, you know, I, I want all that. So that's kind of where I'm at. What about anything else you want to touch on with the new stuff before we move on? Well, let's have a, I just have a question for you. Is yeah. that, that With that Netflix deal, they're getting raw. Now, does that mean they're getting the Peacock archive stuff no, too? No, no. That's, that's, that's a separate package that isn't up yet. Okay. So we still got That Peacock. goes through 2025, I believe. Okay, well, which isn't too long off the way the weeks and months are. So that will by. be renegotiated probably next year. I'm afraid that we're going to lose our our content, but they, again, we have we have our ways. It won't be lost. They want yeah. they want that content to exist somewhere. It won't be lost. So. They want to sell that. No, 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 no. You, you don't need to hope. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean the old Peacock, stuff, like the yeah, yeah the prime listen, times and Peacock paid hundreds of millions of dollars to host that. They're selling okay. that. That's be that, that's going to be sold. They didn't need to beg Peacock to put that out. They, they have about four or five distinct packages that they sell. They have the raw package. They have the SmackDown package. They have the NXT package. And they have what they sell on Peacock, which includes the premium events. Um, and premium events are only once a month. So if they want to get $200 million or more you know, for that package, it's always going to be what we see now. Plus, you know, that's always going to exist. Because they sell that. That's you know, that's one of their it's just like the NFL has Sunday night football, Thursday night football, Monday night football, you know, the Sunday at one package on ABC or on Fox. All different networks. You know, right. all those are sold individually. The game the playoff game, if you notice, there was a playoff game this year that was only on Peacock and people got pissed right. off. I did notice. Yep. Peacock paid two hundred million dollars to air that. You know, they paid the NFL that money. 
you know, so it, all those things are things they sell individually. And that's and, and they have, I mean, uh, Nick Khan is as good as anyone in the world at that. Um, you know, they have hired the the guy. Um, he works for them. He's brilliant. If you've ever heard him on Bill Simmons podcast, he goes on there and he'll talk pretty openly about this stuff. He's a brilliant guy. He's been amazing. He's made them a billion dollars or more already. Uh, and I'm sure he's going to make them a billion more. Um, but I don't think you have to worry about that. I would be yeah. absolutely stunned. I mean, it would be one of the biggest news stories ever if they're like, we've dissolved our $200 million package that doesn't exist anymore. No, I just meant that, that they would take away the like the archive, like the TNT shows and the prime. Well, no, but then what, what would you pay for then? Just the premium. Why would you? So you just pay for their premium events? Maybe the Raws, the SmackDowns. Well, no, because you sell that already. You sell that yeah. separately. I hope so. I hope you're right. All right. Um, no, I mean, the Vince McMahon stuff, I think we feel the same way. He's going to have his day in court. Yeah, I'm not going to comment on You know, we'll just, that. that needs yeah. to play out in the court. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, man, people are, people are circling. That This is what happens when you're someone like him. When you take yeah. a hit, and we saw it with the steroids, right, when he was on trial. Your enemies, man, do they come to the surface quick. They come out. Yep. So we'll There's see. Some people that I'm surprised. I'm surprised at. I'm not. You know, I'm not going to mention any of the names uh, in in the industry that are, have uh, the way they've reacted uh, towards it. But all right, well, that's what it is. Our business tonight is the uh, Boston Garden. We're going to go to Boston, um, to the Boston Garden for the September of 1987, September 12th, 1987 card. It aired on Nesson. The New England Sports Network. Um, and it's headlined by Hulk Hogan and Killer Khan. Uh, so we will do that tonight. Uh, we talked about it a little bit with Paula. Um, we're going to start with the bio, Dave, of the recently deceased Killer Khan. Rest in peace. Yes. So he was born Masasashi Ozawa. Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> just, yeah. I mean, that's that's my shot. It could be wrong for sure. Uh, on March 6, 1947, in Japan, uh, and he died December 29th, 2023, age 76, in Tokyo. He was married to his wife, Cindy, since 1975. They had three children. Um, from 1963 to 1970, he was a sumo wrestler, um, and he reached the highest rank of Makushita, 40. His fighting name was Koshiniski. Um, okay, well, I'm sure I'm butchering some of these names. I'm going to do my best. Uh, he started wrestling under his true name in 1971 in Japan. In 1977, he wrestled in the Toronto area as Kim Chang and then returned to Japan. He traveled to the U.S. in 1979 to wrestle. And in 1980, he first wrestled Andre the Giant in a tag team match in Georgia. Uh, later that same year, he was hired by the WWF. In the WWF, he originally feuded with Bob Backlund as well as Intercontinental Champion uh, Pedro Morales. Correct. Uh, he was then placed in a feud with Andre during a match in '81. A kayfabe Khan knee drop off the top turnbuckle resulted in Andre the Giant breaking his ankle as Khan accidentally landed on it. The truth was that Andre actually broke his ankle getting out of bed. Getting out of bed. And there's, there's a stretcher match there of Andre and Killer Khan. Now, one of the Coliseum videos, I might be the Andre the Giant one. 
but it's on one of those Coliseum videos. Pretty cool. The incident had been reported as, a re- as real and as a storyline to help put Khan over. When Andre w- returned from his injury, he and Khan feuded into the next year. This is also around the time, Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, where he went on a, a young Letterman show with the cast, right? He had the big cast that they used for his ankle. That that clips. I think that might have been later, but the cast is from this time, right? You cast from this time, but I think it's the night Hogan won the title, January twenty third, eighty four. Okay, he was on Letterman. He could have been on there twice. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure, but yeah, no, I think it was closer to the mid eighties. But I know the cast he brought out. He certainly certainly did. Yeah, it was from this time. Um, Where were we? In eighty one in Philadelphia. Andre defeated Khan in a Mongolian stretcher match, maybe what you were talking about. Right. Uh, the feud was named Wrestling Observer Newsletter's Feud of the Year. Um, in 84, at Stampede Wrestling in Canada, he had a series of matches with Archie the Stomper Gouldy, uh, and he won eventually the Stampede North America Heavyweight Championship in a street fight. In March, he lost the title to... Poof. Oh, you got a shot God. at it. I'll put it that way. All right. Uh, Bad News Allen. Close. Dynamite Kid. Okay. He also had successful run-ins as a monster heel in Mid-South, NWA World Class Championship Wrestling. Uh, He was usually managed by Skandor Akbar. The WCCW run saw him team with the Freebirds uh, and then turning on him. Uh, And then turning on them. Uh, Mostly Terry Gordy, I think he turned on. Sounds cool. Uh, Khan made a brief return. The WWF in 87, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. He feuded with Outback Jack and had a brief house show run with Hogan, which, of course, we're going to talk about tonight. And then he retired. This is the end of his career. Um, after retiring from Tokyo, he became a restaurateur. Uh, excuse me, retired from wrestling, moved to Tokyo, became a, wrestling, or a restaurateur. He had a role as a bodyguard in the movie Three Ninjas Kick Back and a cameo in some other Japanese television and stuff like that uh he was married to his wife but they lived on separate continents uh she lived in florida and he lived in tokyo so not long, a bad deal long distance <laughs> relationship i guess some days i wish my wife lived in tokyo uh he had three children yuki yoshiko and david and they all live here too in the u.s uh on december 9th 2020 he was involved in a hit and run in his hometown according to Authorities, he struck a woman who was riding a bike, and he fled the scene. Woman suffered, woman suffered a broken tooth in the accident and sustained other <laughs> injuries. Things. So I don't know how hard he hit her, um, but it took her a month. I wonder if, I wonder if he sp- uh, spit the green sputum at her. Yeah, that's probably what it was. Yeah, And drove away. Yep. <laughs> he later apologized and stated that he was in a hurry to get to his restaurant. He was not charged or prosecuted. That was nice of a new pile, Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know what that's about. Uh, he died from aortic dissection on December 29th, 2023 at 76. According to a statement released by New Japan, he died after collapsing at one of his bars in Tokyo. So rest in peace it. to Killer Khan, um, who had a long career as a wrestler, followed by a second life as a restaurateur, and then as a bi-continental husband. Um, <laughs> Sounds like another championship. <laughs> yeah, which I'd love to know more about, yeah. uh, you know, how that worked out. And, uh, uh, wow, wild. All right, 
The Boston Garden we've done before, obviously, so I'm going to only talk about it quickly. Um, if you go to our archives, you can hear you know, a more detailed version of this. But this is one of the iconic arenas in the history of sports and entertainment in the United States and the world. Um, it's one of the most known places, um, 150 Causeway Street. That's something I've known my whole life. Um, that's the location in Boston. Um, it opened, oh, geez, it opened in the uh, 1920s. December uh, 1927, it broke ground. It opened in November of 28 and closed September of 95. It was demolished in 98. Uh, cost $4 million to build. Uh, Tex Rickard was the architect. Uh, and, of course, it housed the Boston Bruins and the Boston Celtics. And they both won many titles there. Many titles. I mean, by the time they moved to the other rink, it probably co- it probably took them six or seven weeks just to move the banners over to the new rink. There's a cool uh, video I just happened to just I was going going through YouTube and it was like a guy right before they demolished the Boston Garden, like walking you around. Yeah, the they did that. They would do that here in our abandoned arena yeah. too. These like uh, urban explorers or whatever, something like that. Yeah, and I, I don't know if there's video of ours, but there's an amazing series of pictures like abandoned concession stands and they just left the register there and shit and you know um really wild scoreboards that still had like the final score from the last game wild stuff um it's seated about fourteen thousand over the years it was interesting because for hockey um now there's a standard size every rink is 85 by 200 um in these days because the rinks were built Outside of like the regulations of the leagues, you had to put what you could fit in your building, right? You know, if you couldn't fit an 85 by 200 rink in there, it had to be smaller. And the one in Boston and the one in Buffalo were both notoriously smaller. The neutral zone was smaller. And it was a home, now, the- it was a home advantage for both teams because they could get used to playing with a smaller neutral zone. It would hurt other teams who would have to adjust. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They're gonna yeah. throw, throw off other teams. Yeah, sure. it, it, so, you know, now the Bruins successfully parlayed that into Stanley Cups. The Sabres did not. Um, but uh, obviously the uh, legends echo the the halls of these this place, right? Uh, Bobby Orr, uh, Larry Bird, people Dave have heard of, you know, made right. their made their, their living here, you know. And, um, and, and when it comes to wrestling, music, um, things like the circus or the box, anything that is anything in entertainment, it had a day at the Boston Garden. When I think of it, I think of Savage and Tito. Savage winning that Intercontinental yeah, title. And that was like forever right. talked about, you know, how many times a girl mentioned it was in the Boston Garden, you know. Oh, yep. Uh, yep. He would say that when he got hit with the Nooks. And then, uh, and then of course, that was Danny Davis refing that night. And that, you know, so that lived on into WrestleMania 3 and, and beyond. Happy accident. Yeah, happy accident. Uh, Elvis performed in Boston one time, and it was at the mm. Garden on November 10th, 1971, pulling a full crowd of about 16,500 and receiving high praise from John Landau of Rolling Stone for his performance. Um, the Who, the Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, uh, I might have told this. Obviously, Aerosmith played many, many times there. The home star, the hometown boys of Aerosmith. I may have told this story last time, uh, but 
um in the in the nine in the in the nineties, um, you know, it became a uh, it changed ownership, and there was a lot more concerts there, including um, a two night multi stand by Pearl Jam, and it, no one was sure what they no one was sure what was going to be last. It made it into ninety five. Every time someone played, they thought it could be last, right? And sort of as a fun thing on the second night. Um, and it was always going to be Pearl Jam's last time there, whether it was going to be the last show or not there, and it wasn't. Uh, but instead of walking off the stage, Eddie Vedder took the mic stand and beat a hole in the stage and left through the stage uh, to end the two-night run that I... These tapes back in the tape trading and collecting days were very sought after, and I remember the when I finally got this night two Boston ninety four, just watching it and wanting. What if to, you had any uh, girls under there waiting for him? Wanting, yeah, probably wanting to just fast forward to him going through the stage just to see it. So I had always heard of it, but never had. It's not like now where anything happens at a concert, you watch the next day. You know, this was like probably nineteen ninety nine when I finally got to see him do that. Yeah, it's um, crazy. I remember going to Seaside Boardwalk and having to buy all the uh, bootlegs. Of shows yeah. I'd, I'd been to on VHS. Yep. And now would, it's just, boom, YouTube next day. You know, there it is. I would go to the flea market here in Buffalo. And that's the thing, too. Like, as much as I will watch footage of old concerts and no one has a cell phone, I love that. But then also, I want to see the footage on those cell phones. You right. know, when, you know, when Robert Plant shows up at a Pro Jam show, and plays "Fools in the Rain" for the first time. "Fool in the Rain" for the f- first time ever in concert. It's my I favorite want, Zeppelin song. I want to be able to see that. You know what I mean? I'm glad people were recording that. You know, so I have a I have a tough, tough. I th- I believe that's the only time he ever performed it live. Certainly the first. They used to sneak in the camcorders. I don't know how they did that. Yeah, I know. And day. and but those were such. It was a secret, right? So sometimes sometimes you'd be watching, then they'd have to cover it. Because the heat was on, you sure, know, yeah. Those videos, oh, yeah. the videos we would buy, they would all have grades, you know. Be like, oh, this is like a C, you know. This is like an A. Oh, it's got soundboard sound. There's all these different things. So actually, uh, Motley Crue had um, encouraged it in the '97, uh, the Swine Tour. It actually, I have the T-shirts. It's all bootlegging encouraged. So yeah. like every show was uh, is uh, available for for that tour. Pearl Jam always allowed stuff without professional equipment. So anyone could make a personal copy. Yeah. They just didn't want, you know, you to come in with. Not everybody's Axl Rose. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, there's there, there was always a million Pearl Jam shows because they also, they basically allowed anything, you know, without an external microphone that you're holding up to the stage or something. You know what I mean? They're pretty, pretty or lenient. Flash, flash in their face. Yeah, or, or flash like in their face, something like that. Yeah. They're pretty lenient. Um. Yeah, I think new that's, album out too, right? New, new song. Oh uh, yeah, there's a new song that came out called "Dark Matter." It's gr- I think a great first single. Um, it's a hard rock song for sure. Uh, sounds like something that could have been on Versus. Uh, if you like aggressive drumming and guitar solos and things like that, you might like this song. Uh, Matt Cameron and Mike McCready are certainly the stars of the song. Uh, Matt Cameron, I believe, wrote it, and his drumming, you know, is the is the start of it and McCready has a solo in this that as good as he's played in years um, and everyone this isn't a Pearl Jam fan thing 
one thing anyone who follows the band can agree on is Mike McCready can play. You know, yeah. and this is an example of them saying, "Okay, Mike, go ahead, do what you want to do." Yeah, I heard, I heard a piece he, of it on uh, Tim's Instagram story. It sounded pretty good. Yeah, it's it's definitely a rocking album, and then it will come out on April nineteenth. It won't be the number one record this time because it comes out the same day as Taylor Swift. Oh, so they'll have to settle for number two. Uh, not that they care. Um, you know, the same people are going to buy it either way. Uh, yeah. Nobody's going to. I was telling Paul I have this great story when Binaural came out. It came out in 2000, May of 2000. So this is when they would still do the midnight releases at like the record stores. Mm-hmm. And we had this big, huge place called uh, Media Play. And it was basically like a Barnes & Noble, but not a focus on books. That's, you know what I mean? But it had all these, all the all the media things. You know, video game section, CD section, you know, uh, DVD section, whatever. And uh, they would do the midnight releases. And... The Pearl Jam album came out on the same night as Britney Spears' album. Whatever album came out in 2000. If you're out there, you can look it up. And Media Play had thought that everyone would be coming in at midnight for Britney Spears. But that, no, those little girls were asleep. (laughs) Everyone that was there at midnight was there for Pearl Jam. So they wheel out the CDs. They would have a little thing. They'd load all the CDs that are coming out. And they'd bring them down. The, this all would happen in 15 minutes. Like they'd be, they'd open at 12. Everyone there to buy it would buy it. They close at 12:15. You know, and they would wheel the CDs out, and people would pick them up. You go check out. You leave. Well, that first, sucks for the people that work there. Like the store probably closed at 9:30, yeah, 10 o'clock. And they they got to stay. stay around and clean and organize. <laughs> busy work yeah. and shit. Yeah. Um, and the cart they brought out initially, pretty much was only Britney Spears CDs. And so then the guy had to take the cart back, bring the Pearl Jam CDs. Well, there was one family of like a guy and a girl, a guy and a wife, husband and wife, and two little daughters. And they're maybe 10-ish, 11. So they came for Britney Spears. Well, the funny part is, so again, this happens real quick. And everyone's like in the store, in the parking lot fast. And everyone there, what do you do? You took the thing out of the CD and you put it in your CD player. And you rock the thing, right? So they're walking out, and the whole parking lot. The first song on Binaural is like a rocking song called Breaker Fall. And it starts with that. He's like, There's a girl on a ledge who's got nowhere to turn. It's like this, like crazy. And just this family's just horrified. Like you could hear, <laughs> you could hear the Pearl Jam record, like from Orchard Park to, you know, Windsor, Ontario. Like it was just every car just playing the same song at roughly the same point. And they're just, at midnight. <laughs> yeah, and at, at, you know, at 12.15, and they're sheepishly walking out with the Britney Spears CD, you know, so kind of a funny thing. But um, yeah, I, I got a similar quick quick story yeah. real quick. Um, it wasn't a midnight deal, but the day the uh, gold Motley Crue greatest hits came out, the one with Bitter Pill. Yep. In uh, 98, me and my sister Kim went to Sam Goody in Paramus, New Jersey at the Garden State Plaza. And we get there, and there's a line wrapped around the store. So we look at each other like this is like the you know kind of like the downish time for Motley Crue before sure. the nostalgia really kicked in, and we're like this this can't be for for you know, Motley Crue's greatest hits you know, so we're stuck in this line. Then finally I went and grabbed somebody who worked there, and I'm like it was 98 degrees. The Jessica Simpson husband Nick Lachey Nick Lachey yeah yeah his band was there signing autographs of their release, and so the guy took us, you know, we said, we want the Motley Crue album. And he took us, you know, past the line and 
He said, like, you want to meet 98 Degrees? I think I'm like, I don't know who the hell they are. I think I shook one of their hands or something. It was before the Jessica Simpson show, so I didn't any idea who they were. And, you know, like, we got our Molly Crew CD and waved goodbye to 98 Degrees, and off we went. Was there a lot of hot <laughs> women there in the line, though? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, A little too young, maybe. Cause they're re- yeah, well, I was also young. You know, I was oh, uh, right. we 18, were 18, 18 right? years 17, old. Yeah. 18, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, the, uh, eventually, the last few CDs I bought, like, at the store, there was a place called Record Theater, and they would just let me come in at close on Monday. Oh, cool. You know what I mean? So they used to look at just come. They would know how much it costs, and then they'd just ring it in the next day. All right. You know, so there'd be like 10 or 15 people there, and they, you know, they wait till it closed, and then at night, like, they figured, like, why are we paying these people and they're three hours of work? You know, let's just ring, let's just give them to the people, take their money, and we'll ring them through the cash register tomorrow or whatever. And come back tomorrow. Right. Yeah. So that's, uh, and now I bought the new album the other day on, you know, on PearlGem.com now. Cause like I still want the CD. I you know I'm not gonna just. I don't know if you're like this, but I want to own all the Pearl Jam records on CD. I don't, you know. Yeah, I, you know, I, 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 I didn't. I don't know. I didn't get the last. I don't think they made the dirt. The last soundtrack, Motley Crue. I think I only could download it. I don't think. I think maybe there's a LP of it. Maybe. Yeah, but, and, and probably eventually I'll get that. Like I have all yeah. the records. I don't. I'm not a big record guy because they're too much money. This doesn't make any sense. Well, I don't have a record player either. I mean, I have one, but it's not good. You know, it's not like an immersive sound. <laughs> like, my headphones are better than the speakers on this stupid. I got like a five in one, you know? It used to be so much fun to open up open up the wrapper. It always had that same smell. Yeah. You look at the, you look at the lyrics. You know what I mean? It's That's all been taken away. I still so I'm, get. I'm, I'm glad Pearl Jam's putting out the CD. I still get seven to 10 CDs a year, maybe. They're usually like anniversaries of albums I only already own. You know, like Rush puts out a 40th, have been putting out 40ths every year of whatever album is currently 40th. I usually buy that. I bought the Dookie 30th the other day or month. It's a good album. Because I love Dookie. I love the first two yeah. Green Day albums. Um, yeah. 39, Smooth, Kerplunk, and Dookie. Tim got a lot of heat for his picture with uh, Billy John. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, that's because they're, they are like yeah. a lot of people now. But whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you going to do? <laughs> he was, getting, you know he was I mean? getting heat all over the place. Yeah. But I, I put Dookie over on there. Yeah, I like Dookie. <laughs> um, that song "She" is a fantastic song. That's my favorite song on there. Yeah, I, I think it's a. I, you know, I think it's a great record. Yeah. Um, what else have I bought recently on CD? Mad Season did like a reissue. I'm looking around in my room. Oh, I bought both of the um, Wolfgang CDs, the Mammoth WVH. I have both of those on CD. I bought the um, New Dirty Honey record on CD. I heard some of their stuff. Very good. I like them. Um, So, yeah, I try to buy a few a year. I'm more, if there's a movie or a TV show that is in my top 50, I have to own it. Because you cannot trust that it won't get canceled and not be on streaming anymore. You never know. Look at Bitter Pill. Or be cut or be reimagined. You know what I mean? Like, I am so glad I have all the Roald Dahl books. Because in 2023, his estate changed them. You know what I mean? Like, if you go into a bookstore now and you buy the BFG or Matilda or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, it's desensitized. Like, James and the Giant Peach is about a little boy who gets bullied by his two mean ants. The ants aren't mean anymore. 
Yeah, of course. Like the book it's doesn't even make any sense anymore. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> why does he want to run away at the peach if the fucking ants aren't mean? You know? So shit like that, like I want to own and protect the version I love. You know, I have physical I, media. Yeah, right. I have the Karate Kid in 4K. You know, those are my it's my favorite movie of all time. I have alt with it. If a new format comes out, I buy it. I have Back to the Future in 4K. You know, I have um, you know, I have a pretty decent Blu-ray collection. Like I still want. I own all the A Team episodes. I own all the Seinfeld, all the Sopranos. You I don't know. even think I see them in the stores anymore, though. When, when I'm Amazon, maybe the though. sections. Oh, Amazon. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, what, I go Walmart sells them. Here? Walmart sells them. I see LP. I think I was just in a Target. I just saw LPs, you know, records. Oh, CDs. You mean specifically? Yeah, or, or anything. DVDs. Barnes anything. and Noble. I, I know sells CDs. Um, okay. Barnes and Noble also sells DVDs and Blu-rays. They're around, but like Best Buy is completely out of that business now. They just took all this, the last of the CDs out. Um, so yeah, it's not, it's rough. I I would go. Have you been to a Best Buy lately? Yeah, dude. Best Buy used to be the best store. I went on a first date in Best Buy. Me and a girl just <laughs> fucked around and played video games and looked at shit. And I mean, it wasn't the whole date, but we goofed around in there for a couple. Hours. We had fun. Put put some porn on a flat screen. Yeah, we were fucking around yeah. in there. You know, goofing around, having fun. Looking at shit. There's nothing in there now. It's just empty space, and then there'll be like phone cases. You know, I you know I go there for my earpods for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, and, and TVs. I mean, yeah, I, it's nice they still sell TVs because you can actually go look at them. When I was in the market for a TV, um, my like my main TV, it was during COVID, and it was so hard because I want to look at a TV, see it, get a feel, it. and it was such a pain in the ass. But at least that still exists. But it's not. It's a, It sucks. It sucks now. Nothing in there. But yeah. Just, anyway, um, we got other business, Dave. So let's leave it at that. Oh, before we move on to the other segment, though, how dare I? There's one last piece of business here in the B block we must do. And all my yipping and yapping needs to stop so that our friend Hollywood Dave can tell us where Hulk was in September of 1987. And this could be the greatest one of all time. Well, it's short one, but talk about short and sweet, baby. Okay, we're going to start at August 29th, 1987 at the Baltimore Arena, a sellout of 12,100. And are you ready for this? I am. WWF World Champion Hulk Hogan teams up with wrestling's living legend Bruno San Martino in his final WWF wrestling match Mm. to go over the one-man gang and King Kong Bundy. How about that? What I love, there's one still shot. Yeah, what a treat. one still shot. Bruno posed with him afterwards. Afterward, too. I would love to get my hands on that, on that match somewhere. And if that that's unbelievable. I don't know how it came about. Uh, it's, it's, it kind of makes no sense. I don't know if Bruno was subbing maybe for Patera or something, but uh, it doesn't doesn't make no mention of that. But yeah, Hulk and Bruno over the gang and Bundy with a big sellout in Baltimore next night, August thirtieth. Uh, Toronto's Maple Leaf Gardens in front of sellout of 16,000. Hulk Hogan pins a one-man gang. September 1st, uh, Macho Man Randy Savage This is my seventh birthday, by the way. Seventh birthday, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Macho Man Randy Savage subs for Hulk Hogan. I think he had a knee injury. You start wearing that black He was at my birthday party, actually. Oh, that's what Yeah, the knee injury was a a cover. Yeah, Yeah, we actually needed him at at the Putt-Putt in uh, Cheektowaga, New York. Yeah, that's here in fine print that I couldn't read without my reading glasses. Yeah. But anyway, um, 
that was in Vancouver, British Columbia at the PNE Center. Uh, Savage goes over the one-man gang. I'm sure there were refunds offered, I would imagine. Uh, September 6th, something are calling WrestleFest 3, which kind of boggles my mind because I know they had that big WrestleFest in 1988, and I thought that was the first one. Anyhow, it's a matinee. It only draws 4,000 fans at the Riverfront Coliseum in Cincinnati, Ohio. Hogan over our guy, Killer Khan. September 12th, Boston Garden, 14,314 for a near sellout. Hogan against Khan. We'll get to that later. September 15th, Peoria, Illinois at the Civic Center. Superstars Dark Match, Hulk Hogan over the one-man gang. September 16th, the next night, Rockford, Illinois, uh, Metro Center. Wrestling Challenge taping in the Dark Match, Hulk Hogan over Killer Khan. And I said short and swing is the last one. The first and the last are phenomenal. The last... September 17th, Kansas City, Missouri at Kemper Arena. Only 6,000 fans, which shocks me. But listen to this match. Another match I would love to see. Hulk Hogan over the King Harley Race in a steel cage match. Oh, my. Yeah. Oh, my word. What a match that must have been. There must have been blood everywhere. Uh, for that match, there's um, more than six thousand fans. That's for sure. Yeah, and it's that's the King's home home place too. Yeah, Harley. You know, so uh, who knows? Could be a misprint. Could be some weather. Who you know? But uh, wow, what a match that that, that should have been. But that's it. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, Short some good legendary shit there. The Bruno one that just, that, that just boggles my mind. That is that that's his last WWF match. I believe that's his last match entirely. Right. I don't think he's ever yeah, done anything not independent. That not that I know after. of. Yeah. If anybody out there knows, uh, uh, let us know. But um, to my knowledge, that's it. And now the truth is finally out. Where was Hulk on September 1st, 1987? There you go. Yeah, unbelievable. Of all the days. Yeah, all right. yeah I got to go. We got to find print a little better. Take a break. Uh, we'll come back. And we are going to, first of all, read the news, of course, September 1987. And then we're going to go to the Boston Garden. And uh, discuss the night of matches. We start with some jabronis, but we heat up for sure. (laughs) Boy, do we. (laughs) Of course, we got the Hulk match. We'll cover that. Star ratings. I would buckle up for that. I think I got a hot take maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Um, But I think we're good, Dave. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. And now, Jake the Snake Roberts. You know, to be a man, you have to make a lot of sacrifices in your life just to be a man. But to be a professional athlete as we are, to keep up with the fast pace of the cars, the airplanes, doing something, training all the time, it takes a lot out of you. Now, there was a man at WrestleMania 3, I didn't think had much of a snowball's chance and you know where to make it. I just looked at him like a snowball coming down a hill. But this man has turned what was his greatest challenge into an avalanche that seems to be unstoppable. I'm talking about your world wrestling heavyweight champion, Hulk Hogan. How do you do it, man? How do you do it? When you were facing the biggest challenge of your life, you took that challenge, turned it around, and made it work for you. Well, you know, Jake, the momentum of Hulkamania has been running wild for three and a half years, man. But after WrestleMania, just like you said, that snowball turned into a huge avalanche. And now that the momentum is so great, the next number one contender that steps in the ring with Hulkamania, I really feel sorry for that dude, man. That avalanche is going to wipe out the next number one. 
Postman. You're not supposed to be on it. What do you mean, boy, son? You feel sorry for Nefta Kodes. Mind to my communication. This is the darkness, son. And I am the devil, Fuji, boy, son. Let me tell you something, Mr. Fuji. Just because you're his manager doesn't make him the number one contender. And as far as the darkness goes, the brightest light, the brightest force in the universe is Hulkamania. And even in the wrath of Killer Khan, I see no darkness. Right on. Perhaps you want to experience the dark side of Khan. Come on, guys. Come on. Hey. Come on, Fuji. They ain't supposed to be out here, man. Uh, yeah. 24-inch podcast. We are back. I feel like we got some momentum humming here tonight, Dave. Uh, let's keep it going. Let's start off with the news. It is 1987, and believe it or not, the smiling face at the top no events of interest, except for, well, there's one on my birthday, September 1st, 1987, and it's a big one in Belgium. Smoking is forbidden in public buildings in Belgium. Wow. It took a long time. To they, get, were, uh, they were ahead the of their States. time. Yeah, they were ahead of their time. I'm going to say 2007 yeah, here was, in the bars. Here, it was, here I was in 2003 or so it was here. Three? Was that far back? Or yeah. right? uh, here. I mean, that's just New oh, York. You know, New Jersey could have been different. Um, but the first big thing on this page, September 2nd, this person takes out a full page ad in the New York Times lambasting Japan. Who do you think that still relevant to this day person may have been, Dave? Donald Trump. That is correct. Donald Trump takes out a full page New York Times ad lambasting um, Japan. Then it went to China. Uh, September 2nd, also, Philips, the company, introduces CD video. Video on CDs. Cool. I guess that would eventually, gonna... eventually lead to DVDs at some point. Was it laser, laser discs? I think they were. I don't know. Right? It just says CD video. A laser disc, I think, is even a different technology. I don't know. I don't know exactly. That's one where it would be nice if they have more information. Yeah. Uh, September 5th, John McEnroe is fined. $17,500 for tirades at the U.S. Tennis Open. Uh, he was always one of the bigger screaming at the ref type of people. That's not, 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 I'm not exactly the biggest tennis guy in the world, but it's not the first place you think you'd see a tirade. You know, He was famous for them, though. He was. Was he? Yeah, he would, he would slam his racket. He would fight with the umpire. He, was, he had a nickname like the big baby. You know, so I forget exactly what it was, but. His nickname is like about how he's always whining. And uh, the interesting thing about that, too, is he was like a great player. Like he was a number one player. He won seven Grand Slams. Some heat on a tennis court. I like it. Yeah. 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 He's married to uh, uh, what's her name? Right. Um, He was originally uh, he was originally married to Tatum O'Neill. But then didn't he marry? Who was the singer that didn't really like singing in public? You know what I'm talking about? She was like stage shy. I don't know. Sinead O'Connor? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It was Sinead. Yeah, she's not shy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Shit. But back to tennis real quick. I'm, yeah. I'm going to blow you away with this one. Okay. Uh, me and an ex-girlfriend of mine uh, were big tennis players, but we didn't know how to keep score. We'd keep score like a volleyball. Okay. But, uh, you didn't know about yeah. like 15, 30, 40. I think she knew a little bit more. She was an athlete. She knew a little bit more than me, but uh, she, she didn't know enough. So we just we just did like a volleyball game. But uh, we spent quite quite a few uh, summer uh, days playing tennis. And I was right. She married. He married rock star Patty Smith. They have two daughters, oh, Smith. Okay. and they live on the Upper West Side. Still married to this day. Uh, what else do we got? Uh, let's see here. Could join twins, Benjamin and Patrick Binder, separated at Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore. You know the doctor who did that? Dr. D. David Schultz? Yes. I'm not even going to give the real answer because I like that one better. It was Dr. <laughs> D. David Schultz. Uh, <laughs> September 7th. <laughs> I Want Her, a single released by Keith Sweat, would eventually be named the Billboard Song of the Year in 1988. Sort of a weak one, if you ask me. Uh, the 22nd I think, annual... I was Keith Sweet. Keith Sweat. Oh, yeah, maybe. Uh, it's spelled no, I think, you're, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. Spelled Sweat. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Lewis had his 22nd muscular dystrophy telethon. He raised $39 million freaking dollars. I, I mean, he raised a lot of money for... Muscular dystrophy. I don't know. This that... is what and, uh, Hulk Hogan was at this in '87. The uh, Howard Stern would always complain about how he didn't think it was legit. Like he always thought that they were not that it wasn't legit, but just like what what do they have to show for all these telethons? Like what have you? It's always L- Labor Day weekend. Right? Yeah. What have you done deal. with this money? You know. Bobby he... Heenan was on it too. Yeah, there were all kinds of stuff. celebrities, yeah, and yeah. they would have people like all night long. You know, people would come in to help at three, four in the morning. And I know that Howard once was there, and they had him answering phones. Like, so I think he was bitter about it. Like he was like at four in the morning. He didn't said, I, "I I thought I was coming to see Sherry Lewis, Richard Lewis, whoever else Lewis." And then he finally, you know, he finally says who he is, and he goes, "Well, Heenan goes, well, what do you do?" And he goes, "I'm a Jew in heat." <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, September 9th, We talked about him earlier, Larry Bird. Begins his NBA free throw streak of 59 in a row. Um, also on that day, Nolan Ryan strikes out his 45th, 4,500th batter. Uh, on the 11th, the fourth annual MTV Video Music Awards, Peter Gabriel wins, quote, unquote, many times. So he won many times. Sledgehammer year? Was that the Sledgehammer yeah, probably. year? Yeah, probably. Always, always in the top of the top 100 videos. Yeah, people love right? that video for whatever reason. I never really got it. I like the songs okay, but I mean, it's not. There's a show over. called The Americans. It aired on FX. It's about these Russian spies that live in the U.S. as like Americans. And it's really great. It's with Carrie Russell. She's super hot in it, too. Oh, she sure is. Yeah. Um, and they use Peter Gabriel's music throughout the series it's like a master class in music and film like the way they utilize like some of his more haunting songs i mean it's mesmerizing there's this one scene where they use the song here comes the flood by peter gabriel it's a pretty great song and um it's real. it's got this dramatic chorus and then carrie russell's like burning this letter from the center that tells her you know, has this information and she decides not to read. It's just, uh, if you, if you like Peter Gabriel's music, you have to see what the Americans did over the course of this series. But whatever happened to Carrie Russell? I always loved that 
that thick she blonde married curly the, hair. Married the dork that she was on the show with. The and guy, that show what was the name of that show again? The I Americans. It's a great show. No, but her other show. Oh, I don't know. Uh, was she? Wasn't she on ER or one of those or something like that? I think it was more of like a teeny a teeny bopper uh, deal she had going there for a while. Yeah, I know she's married now to the not nearly as attractive uh, guy that was the uh, co-star of um, Felicity. She was on. That's it. Is that what okay. you're thinking of? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, she was on Felicity. What else has she been a part of? Arrested Development. She was on one episode. She's done some movies, too, that you've heard of. Um, she was on the show Scrubs, two episodes. Waitress Scrubs. was a movie she was the star of. Mission Impossible 2. She had a, or no, 3. She had a big role in. So she, she's very, very attractive, though. Very, very, yes. My type. A piece of ass, as they say. Um, what else do we got going on? September 13th was U.S. Open season. And uh, the the queen, certainly at the time, Martina Navratilova, retains her title, beating Steffi Graf seven six six one. Talk about two titans of women's women's tennis. A lot of tennis this week. Yeah, well, U.S. Open, I guess. This has got to be whoever writes this has got to be in New York City, right? Because they love talking about the Broadway shows, the U.S. Yeah. Open, the Rockettes, like all these New York things are always in here. So whoever compiles this must be like with a lean of New York. Hey, we're a New York slash New Jersey podcast, so what the hell? Yeah, hell yeah. September 14th, Cal Ripken Jr.'s record streak of 8,243 consecutive innings, 908 games, is finally broken. So he finally misses an inning. Of course, he wouldn't miss a game until 1998, and he finally broke the record, Lou Gehrig's record for most games in 1995, and then he famously took himself out one day um, in 98. Isn't it ironic that Luke Garrick died of Luke Garrick's It is. Disease? It's so weird. Like you would think oh. of all the diseases for someone to get, he got that one. It's oh. wild. Um, U.S. men's men's side, Ivan Lendl wins his third straight. So we got some U.S. U.S. Open dynasties going on here. Two in a row for Martina and three in a row for Lendl. Uh, September fifteenth, Pope John Paul II arrives in Los Angeles for a two-day papal visit and addresses U.S. entertainment leaders. Uh, one thing he does mention in this speech is how disappointed he is that WrestleMania three whooped the shit out of his record in Detroit earlier that year. <laughs> <laughs> Bigger than the Rolling Stones. Yeah, so he does, he does, <laughs> he does mention that. So uh, that's interesting. Interesting moment. So take that, Meltzer. Maybe that was going to be the surprise guest in the corner of the Hulk. Yeah, could have been. Be. Take yeah. that, Meltzer. Even the Pope mentions in his speech in L.A. He got his butt beat in by Hulk and Andre. Wait, wait are you serious? No. <laughs> For a second there, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I certainly am not. Uh, more Pope. He ends his Los Angeles tour with an interfaith meeting at Dodger Stadium with leaders of Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, and Hinduism. Um, the leaders of atheism not pleased to be left off the bill. Um, they were very pissed. Uh, September 16th, USSR, those naughty, naughty boys performing a nuclear test in eastern Kazakhstan. Shouldn't have done that. Nuclear test. September 17th, Philadelphia celebrates the 200th anniversary of the Constitution. Speaking of that, Dave, did you know that July 4th, 2026, will be the 250th anniversary of the country? 
Wow. Um, so it'll be the uh, last one we celebrate. We're probably not going to be here for 300, right? So no. it's going to be because, I mean, well, maybe, no, maybe. No. I, I don't know. At the rate I'm going. No, I'm we could be. No. I guess we could be. But we'll be we'll be elderly regardless, right? Yeah. Very well, elderly. I'd be if, in my, we'll be in our 90s. We'll be very right. elderly. If we made it, yeah. we'd be very elderly. Because you'd have to add 50 to 40, right? So well, be, my, my blood pressure right now, man. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so we would be certainly elderly. But the interesting thing is the World Cup is here at that time. So if for some reason, and we know the U.S. has never won the World Cup or really came close. Uh, in the 30s, they were okay. But could you imagine it would be the semifinals? Could you imagine the home field advantage for Team USA my in a God. soccer game? Somewhere in the U.S., and I know they've said where the semis are. I'm not sure. I know the finals at Meadowlands. But could you imagine you're playing the semifinals of the World Cup at home on the 250th birthday of the country? Yeah, but somehow we'll still get – we'll be called racist. Or still lose 8 to nothing to Brazil or something like that. (laughs) Um, Last one from the Pope before heading back to uh, Italy. He arrives in San Francisco and meets with AIDS patients. And embraces an AIDS-infected child, so probably a big moment there for him to say, like you can, you know, because people were afraid to be around people with AIDS in '87. Yeah, it was a like big, that. huge deal. Uh, yeah, so the peak of the uh, peak of that, the Pope said, "I'm going to go visit the kids." So good for the Pope. That's my Pope, by the way. That's the Pope I grew up on. I don't know who the new Popes are. I know they're woke. I just that's my Pope. Oh boy, are they yeah. really? Yeah, they're woke now. Oh Jesus! Fatal Attraction, directed by. Adrian Lyne starring Michael Douglas and Glenn Close's release. Dave, do you ever have a woman turn on you in this way, you know, and become burn your pet rabbit or anything like that? Any of the things that happen? I have had threats uh, as recent as uh, Labor Day weekend. So Uh, people are that into Hollywood that they have threatened your life? I wouldn't say it would be over the... uh, wanting to get with me okay but uh there there were threats this is someone that used to be with me but it wasn't about getting back with me but yeah there was there there were threats of beating up the person that i was with currently oh my with with a bat yeah but um you know those things kind of happen sometimes but great movie by the way fatal attract i've never really dealt with that yeah you're lucky yeah i've always somehow i didn't have a lot of actual relationships by the way I'm over it. I, I want to calm down. I've, I've had enough. Anybody listening out there? <laughs> I've had enough. But then then when you get into a relationship, you want to go back out to the bars and party. You know, it's <laughs> right, right, <laughs> with the right. baddies. <laughs> right, right, right. All right. This is interesting. September 19th, the 12th, inter- 12th Toronto International Film Festival. A certain movie wins the People's Choice Award. I'll give you one clue, Dave. It's directed by Rob Reiner. Okay, uh, dear close personal friend of, uh, not mine, uh, but um, I'd go with The Princess Bride. Correct, The Princess Bride. Yeah. A little bit of a wrestling tie in there. Right. Uh, big night. He for- is a meathead in real life. Yes. Yeah. Speak of the devil, right? Uh, September 19th, Farm Aid. Uh, Farm Aid 3, held in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, let's see. Have I se- I've seen one of the artists. You can guess which one I've seen. I've seen one of these. Uh, the performers uh, include Willie Nelson, John Mellencamp, Neil Young, Amy Lou Harris, Vince Gill, 
Lyle Lovett, John Denver, and Joe Walsh. Uh, we go Joe Walsh. No, Lyle Lovett. Okay. No, I'm kidding. Will- Neil Young. I've oh. seen Neil oh, Young. Oh, Neil Young. Yeah. Uh, well, Pearl Jam. If, yeah, I've seen probably. him. I went to his benefit. Pearl Jam played it. I went. It's called. It was called the Bridge School Benefit. Um, I went in '99 and 2001, and then I also seen him with Pearl Jam on the Vote for Change tour in 2004, which is number 86 of 86 of my Pearl Jam shows, and it's all his fault. I remember we we're driving to Michigan the next day, me and my friend just praying that Neil Young was on a plane to anywhere but Michigan. Uh, we had seen enough of. Uh, yeah, I think it told me that. Yeah, you watch yeah. just just your band. Yeah, and he, he played like a 13 minute version of Cortez the Killer. And, like, by the end of it, I wanted the needle and to do the damage, you know, myself. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, you got to be kidding me. My, my neck turned stiff. Whew. It was rough. And uh, props to Willie Nelson, very dear, close, personal, longtime friend of Chet's. Yeah, oh, Chet and Willie, they know each other well, huh? Yeah, well, Chet, um, yeah, ever since the WrestleMania 7 announcement, uh, Chet has been reenacting that about every day of his life. Yeah, when they introduced him. September 20th, the 39th Emmy Awards. <laughs> Big day at the Super Bowl, by the way, last week, as uh, Tito Santana's sister, Dave. Yes, uh, Ariba McIntyre. Yeah. yeah, I think I put that on a 24-inch podcast. Page. Oh, did you put it on there? Yeah, she sang, yeah, sang she, at the Super Bowl. She made a return. That was probably the first time singing the anthem since. Yeah, who's uh, next she year? She sang it for her brother. Who's next year? Yeah. Aretha Franklin? Uh, <laughs> going I was going to write I was gonna write it to Tito, but, but some of these wrestlers... Uh, you know they don't remember shit, so I don't want to be like, "What the I fuck?" Just this go guy way saying? over his head. Is he, he making fun of me? Yeah. Like, you know, Reba, whatever. So, because I, yeah, he probably never went back and watched WrestleMania eight. You know what I mean? So he, he might not even have heard it. You know, September twentieth, the thirty ninth Emmy Awards, L.A. Law, Bruce Willis, and Sharon Glass win. Uh, September twentieth, an NFL record. Um, Chicago Bears running back Walter Payton scores his NFL record one hundred and seventh touchdown. And the Bears' victory over the Buccaneers. Uh, famously, there was a lot of heat between Walter Payton and Mike Dicka because Mike Dicka gave the ball at the goal line in the Super Bowl to the fridge and not Payton. Payton thought he earned the right to score in the Super Bowl. And Dicka kind of overlooked that and gave the ball to the fridge. And I don't, a little bit of a problem there. Um, a lot of uh, wrestling tie-ins there too. Good sweetness, Walter Payton and Razor Ramon's corner at sure. SummerSlam '94, yeah. and of course the fridge goes without saying. WrestleMania two, uh, Monday Nitro, helping out the Hulkster. Uh, yeah, with uh, Steve Mongol McMichael's prayers for him and congratulations, Hall of Famer, for being inducted yeah. into the NFL Hall, Hall of Fame. But I also, um, on a sad note, think I saw scrolling today on Facebook that he has been admitted to the hospital. So pray- prayers that uh, he, he didn't look he comes, didn't makes... look great when I saw him. No, no, so the, the thing. Yeah, so uh, hopefully he um, kicks out again, and uh, you know, if he wants he has to, the best, yeah, the best life he can lead. If he wants point. to, he might be ready to be done with that. Yeah, I mean, I hate to say that, but whatever yeah. he wants. Yeah. Uh, September twentieth, Roger Miller's musical Big River, based on Mark Twain's eighteen eighty four novel Adventures of Huck Finn. Closes at Eugene O'Neill Theater after 105, excuse me, 1,005 performances and three Tony Awards. So one of the great Broadway plays of all time closes. Um, Speaking of Lou Gehrig's disease, San Francisco wide receiver Dwight Clark's NFL record of 105 consecutive games with the reception ends and a 27-26 victory uh, in Cincinnati. 
Um, couple more, and we'll be done here. Uh, September 22nd, the NFL players go on strike uh, for 24 days. Big debut in wow. television. Um, this series, Dave, debuts. Um, it's a uh, mostly male adult cast and mostly female younger cast. Full House. Full House appears, starring Bob Saget and John Stamos. Love it, love it. The earlier ones, I kind of... I'm at that age where, like, that show ran from 87 to, I think, like, 96. Like, it ran pretty a long time. So I'm, like, the 80, you know, the 87, 88, 9, 90. I loved it. Then, like, I started growing, you know, growing out of it, you know, into the 90s. So, like, some of them I've never seen before. But some of them I know by heart, you know. Paul has like been kind of sick this week. Not, like, stay home from school sick, but, like, lay around and watch TV when she's home sick, kind of. And she's been watching Full House. Golden Girls, um, Goldbergs, and Doogie Howser has been her. Love, love them all. She's been rotating through those. Um, we talked about the strike beginning. Star Trek: The Next Generation, um, starring Patrick Stewart, debuts on syndicated TV. Uh, seemed like that was always on when I was at my dad's house. Yeah, I tried to get into that as a kid, but I never could. It's not for yeah, me. my dad used to have it on too. Yeah. It would come on. We'd have the uh, the Odd Couple, then the Honeymooners on Channel Eleven, PIX here, then um, Star Trek. So I used to be like nodding off, falling asleep, and like thought it looked cool as a kid. But like, yeah, it did I, look cool. Like, I just didn't know what yeah. the fuck was going on. Yeah, know? I didn't know what the fuck's going on. There's a lot of movies still to this day. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Uh, Gladys Knight and Smokey Robinson appear on one of my favorite game shows, Dave, The Ten Thousand Dollar Pyramid. I love this show. Hmm. Um, I love Dick Clark. Back then, loved that show. And I like the Michael Strahan reboot on ABC. It was good, too. It's a fun game. It's uh, it's fun to watch. I don't know. I like game shows. I like them, so that's one I like. Uh, okay. September 29th, Didn't We Almost Have It All by Whitney Houston hits number one. Good song. Heard of her. 30-something debuts on ABC. We, you know, we're in the beginning of the TV year here. Uh, That's a bit, that, was, that was a big hit. I, I never watched it, but, I mean, you, you know that name, 30-something. Exactly. September 29th, the most famous New York Yankee of our childhood hits a record six Grand Slam. He was everyone's favorite player when we were kids. Don Mattingly? Don Mattingly. Very good. Um, and the last one, because it's the last one on the list, September 30th, Roy Orbison and friends, including James Burton, Bonnie Raitt, Bruce Springsteen, Elvis Costello, Tom Waits, and Katie Lang film a performance at the Ambassador Hotel Coconut Groove Nightclub in Los Angeles, California for Cinemax. Uh, then later they strip down and record a second version <laughs> for Skinemax. <laughs> so, a wild night um, there for the boys. So, Did you see the, um, I the did. Uh, it's we, a, it's, we Are the World? It's amazing. I loved it. Loved every second of it. Yeah, I saw that trailer and I'm like, me and Dave are going to love this. <laughs> I always thought it was after the Grammys, so I always just thought there was a chance we we're going to see Hogan because he accompanied uh, right. He was Walter there with the Grammys, yeah, with Lopper. But it was, night. but it was the American Music Awards. Ah, uh, after, yeah, really? Because still, the Gra- oh, Hogan was at the American Music Awards. You mean the Hogan was at the Grammys? This was after the American. Are you Music sure? Because they say the Grammys like a yeah. hundred times in that show. You sure? Yeah, they I talk might have about, it mixed up. Yeah, they talk it's about one it or the after other. the Grammys like a hundred yeah. times. It's one or the other. But uh, regardless of that, they still never say why how Dan Aykroyd got there. He was just there. Yeah, what does he have to do with anything? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's it, well, it's 
one of us is right, one of us is wrong. Is obviously who knows, uh, but it's worth watching either way. It's really good, yeah. really good stuff on Netflix. So check that out. All right, that's the news for September of 1987. Dave, we move to the Boston Gardens here. September 12th, uh, 1987, 14,314. That's a sellout, essentially. Pretty uh, much. Televised on Nesson. It included uh, Gorilla Monsoon and Lord Alfred Hayes call the first match, and then Pete Doherty basically does the rest for the most part. Those are the three announcers, though, one way or another on the show. Um, New England Sports Network, Nesson is a lot like... MSG was for New York um, and, and aired these shows. And then they also aired on the Spectrum Network in Philadelphia as well. And Prism. They, Prism. And then did they have um, they have something in Toronto too with those boss, those Toronto make-believe garden shows? I don't know what that aired on. Uh, they must have had something. They must have had something up there that they yeah. had to deal with. Uh, yeah. But this is part of that. Uh, before we get to this crowd or this show, uh, we'll tell the backstory quickly. Um, the match tonight, of course, is Hogan versus Killer Khan. We read Khan's bio er- earlier. That match was set up at the June TV taping in Buffalo that I attended, where famously Ricky Steamboat lost the title, and I cried for an hour. Uh, after I picked myself off the mat and got nachos and a Hulk rules finger, um, Mr. T came out. And as a huge A-Team fan, I popped hard from that. Had a little bit of happiness. And then finally, Hulk Hogan came out. And boy, was I happy. The Hulkster's there. Finally, I get to see Hulk. My first time seeing Hulk in person. And within minutes, just to my right, just over my shoulder, over here, I just got to turn my neck a little bit. I see the Killer Khan and Fuji come out. And within seconds, Killer Khan has spit green goose in the face of Hulk. And I'm crying again because I think Hulk is blind. The green stuff is so bright. The way it reflect, it looks so bad. I mean, I think it probably even the in-ring experience is maybe even more dramatic because, first of all, you can hear Hulk screaming. Like, you can hear him selling. Is probably a better word. Jake giving right, his coat you know, you can and everything. See, you can hear him selling. And then the green stuff just sort of reflects and is so bright. And it looks like it's everywhere. You know, it's all over Jake. It's all over his coat. It's all in his eyes. I mean, it looks like there's no chance he's ever going to see again. In the eyes of a six-year-old, seven-year-old, just turned seven. No, six. I'm not even seven yet. I'm seven here by the time it gets to the garden. But I'm still six in Buffalo. Either way. It was horrifying. They filmed that and they aired it never in Buffalo uh, because Hulk Hogan and Killer Khan, for whatever reason, you think they shoot the angle there, they come back and sell there. I would have probably bought a ticket in a heartbeat. Yeah, I'm surprised. But they took it around the horn a little bit in the summer and the fall of 87. And we're going to talk about the match in Boston Garden only because we can't talk about the match in the Meadowlands, which was Dave's first show. So Sir. Dave got to see the promo and the snake pit that was shot and then got to see the match. So, Dave, this is where I give to you, and you can tell a little bit about your personal story of seeing this, and then we'll get into the card at Boston Garden and eventually get into Hulk's match. God, I remember, I remember that day, man. It was, it was better, than, better than Christmas. I had Hulk stuff on from head to toe. 
the Hulkamania shirt, the the belt where you that LJN made where you could change it, uh, the belt to a picture of Hulk if you turn if you turn the knob on it. I had that on. I was all suited up. We went through. A, I remember being going to Roy Rogers on Route 17 before it. Uh, my aunt, my uncle, mother, father, even my sister Dana was with us, and um, we had pretty good, pretty good seats in the hundreds. You know, a little, little bit of, a little bit on the angle, a little bit. And uh, I remember just like the first thing getting in there, like saying, like when the first match started, I think it was Tiger Chung Lee against Jerry Allen or something. And I was like, where the fuck are the announcers? <laughs> like, I thought I'd be, like, hearing announcers. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, almost I like, knew because of hockey. I knew we would Okay. You know what I mean? I'm almost like, this sucks at first. It's like, boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then once, like, um, I don't know, JYD came out or something, you know, and he'd here, grab them cakes. And like, all right, uh, now now I'm in. But it was almost like, dude, like, what the hell is this shit? It was. It took, it took a match or two to get to get used to it. But we had Outback Jack and Sika. Um, I remember it was supposed to be Billy Jack Haynes. Yeah, he's been in the news recently, too. Yeah, we, to that, bring that up. Yeah, yeah, that's a sad situation there. Uh, I've dealt with that myself. Uh, I didn't kill anybody over it, uh, but thank God. But um, uh, Billy Jack Haynes didn't show up that night, and Don Morocco came out and said to Harley Race, I'm going to, Billy Jack's not here, but I'm going to kick your ass. And it was just when Morocco had just turned good. I don't even know if they ran the angle on TV yet. So that, I remember that big pop for I'm like, oh my god, he cursed, you know, right, right here in the Meadowlands. <laughs> and you had Kamala and JYD, uh, the Rougeos against the New Dream Team. I might be leaving something out, and then Hulk and Khan. And um, I don't want to say too much about the match because we're going dis- yeah, we'll we'll discuss get to it. We'll talk about how they're the same because it's the different. same. It's the same match, but you know. Yeah. Was Hulk and Khan in the middle or at the end? Very end, last match. Okay, just wondering. The, the next show coming. Didn't have Hulk, so they uh, announced that intermission, uh, whatever. I can't remember what the uh, main event was, but Fair it was enough. I just think wondering it was where Savage, it, yeah, where it somebody, was. Somebody, yeah. yeah, yeah. The one thing that saved me on the day was the very last thing in Buffalo that night before we went home after a long, grueling day. Those TV tapings are long; they taped three hours of TV, I think. But they did a dark match, a tag match with Hulk, I think, in Coco. Versus Kamala, I don't know whoever, whatever it was, I forget. But um, Kamala so, and hockey. That sounds right. So I got yeah. to see Hulk. He wasn't blind. He wrestled. He posed. All that, you know. So kind of saved the day at the end for mine. But all right, back to the Boston Garden, September. Your night has already happened, correct? Yeah, August first. Yep. This is so. This is a little later into the fall. Um, I've had my birthday, um, and many of these matches air on primetime wrestling. I'll tell you when they do. Or various other places. Uh, but the first match, so we start slow here. Just know we're going to start slow. Hilarious opening to this match, though. <laughs> yes. Uh, this was a primetime wrestling match, September 24th, 87. So two weeks later, they, they, they got it out there fresh. Uh, Scott Casey and SD Jones defeated the Shadows at 11.39 when Joe scored the pin with a roll-up after one shadow accidentally hit the other shadow. Any thoughts on this, Dave? I thought it was a good, uh, pretty good tag match. Um, you know, Shadows uh, kind of morphed into the Conquistadors. Uh, uh, it was Jose Luis Rivera and Moondog Rex. So when they came to Conquistadors, Jose Estrada took uh, Rex's spot. But I thought it was good. It was nice to see uh, SD get his hand raised once in a while to a nice pop, too. But, uh, Steve, on a version I watched, it, uh, the opening match was uh, 
uh, Pafo against um, Duke, uh, Pete Doherty. Okay, they have this a second here. Second, okay. So who knows what the actual, who knows? Yeah, yeah who what knows. the actual order is? The second match or the first? I'm bring. I'm reading the results from the history of WWE.com. Okay. Yeah, my guess, really my guess is this is probably in the arena, and what we watch is how it aired on Nessun and that, right, and right. you know they might have switched them for whatever reason. Uh, who knows? Uh, prime time, or if that was airing live, this is wrong. Regardless, not a big deal. I don't, I don't, I, we don't know if Boston. I, I could tell yeah. you about the Garden. Yeah, Madison I have no idea. Garden. I don't know if Boston aired live. Yeah, I don't know if it was live or taped or not. So if anyone knows clarification there, I could probably reach out to. Um, the guy whose site this is, I forget his name, but we got Graham. Graham. Yeah, we got friends who know Graham, but not that important. Nine fourteen eighty seven, prime time again. Pete Doherty pinned Lanny Poffo at ten oh seven with a backbreaker after Doherty lifted his knees to block a moonsault prior to the bout. This pissed me off. Poffo was reading a poem about the Hulkster, and Doherty came running out and attacked him and beat him up. <laughs> that was funny. He had his alpha. <laughs> yeah, but I wanted to hear the poem. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I like Leaping Lanny. I like his poems. And it was about how I, I don't think he should have lost the match, though. That That's a little Yeah, that was rough, drastic. but yeah. they let the hometown guy win. I got a guy I do, uh, an old guy. Yeah, hometown guy, exactly. I do uh, food shopping for an, uh, an old man around around my area, and he, he talks exactly like uh, Pete Doherty. Oh, nice. They, they, they have the exact same voice. Okay, that's nice. Good for you, Dave. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Good charity work. Yeah. Uh, all right, the third match also on primetime. Again, we're not going to spend a lot of time on these matches because they not a lot to say about them. You can tell by the people in them. Uh, Steve Lombardi pinned CV Afi at eight thirty two. Another mo- a bit of an upset. Yeah, when the momentum of a cross body by Afi put Lombardi on top during the bout, Pete Jordy- Doherty joined the commentary team at ringside with Alfred Hayes handing over his headset and leaving. During the bout, Doherty noted that his match from earlier in the evening was his last, and he retired after finally picking up a win. <laughs> was that true? Did he was he, was he really retired? Uh, no, I think we see more of him in yeah. Boston Garden. <laughs> I figured. Uh, any thoughts on, uh, yeah, an upset, I guess. C.V. Afi was one of these experiments by, you know, Vince, can I replay? It's like Kiss. Now, you know, can we replace Gene Simmons with a... Yeah, with a Tommy Thayer. And- yeah. <laughs> can we replace, uh, you know, uh, Snooker with a guy that kind of looks like Snooker and has a name kind of like Snooker? Um, he also did... Yeah, terrible. I-, I hate to talk of this, but he was a very good worker, C.V. Afi. He couldn't pull off those those moves. But you hear he went like an hour with Flair like years before this. Maybe he was older. Maybe. You know, but yeah. Yeah, he just, it just didn't look good in the ring. All right, let's pick it up a little bit. Uh, Ted DiBiase with Virgil pinned Brutus Beefcake at 14.04, the roll-up, using the tights for leverage after Virgil tripped Beefcake from the floor. Prior to the bout, Beefcake DiBiase tried to pay Beefcake with $500, with Beefcake attacking DiBiase instead of taking the money. Beefcake then gave the money out to the crowd. After the bout, Beefcake attacked DiBiase, and DiBiase had accidentally knocked Virgil off the apron and then got the scissors out. But DiBiase escaped before Beefcake cut his hair. Um, this is on the Brutus the Barber Beefcake Coliseum home video, I think. <coughs> Excuse me. Any thoughts on this match? A little bit better. I a little thought, too long, though. 
I thought the crowd was hot for. I mean, they DiBiase just came in. I mean, over the summer, and they they pelted the ring with garbage. And um, again, well, they're mass them, holes. They're mass holes. Mass holes, Sarah, Massachusetts. But uh, yeah, but, I mean, that's a good thing. I mean, it means the gimmick's working. And uh, I thought Brutus was over. I, I I enjoyed the match. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a really good match. And uh, it's, Brutus is still new to the gimmick. You know, no music yet. It's going to be quite a while till we get that. But uh, you know, that handing out the money deal always gets that big cheap pop. You know, well, actually, it wouldn't be a cheap pop. Any expensive pop, right? My handing out money. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I enjoyed this one. I thought. Uh, Two good guys to be uh, put together. You know, they're going to have finally have their rematch a few years later at WrestleMania Five. I, I think this one was better. Oh, this is Hotter. definitely better than that. Yeah. 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 Uh, the next match from Wrestling Spotlight on 926-87. They're turning these around quick. Uh, Hercules defeated Davy Boy Smith via submission with the full Nelson at 1035 after Davy Boy missed the diving headbutt off the top rope. Maybe another little bit of an upset. Maybe not, but Big, maybe. Yeah. I wouldn't say an upset. I, I would imagine Hercules to win because it's a singles match, but not like that. Yeah, I submission. Think maybe like, a, yeah. like a high cross body rolls. But I guess they're putting over upset. is that was what he was putting over, the full now, you know. Yeah, but the, the Billy the Billy Jack uh, feud was pretty much fizzled, fizzled by then. I don't know. And where was Dynamite? Like, why is Davy Boy wrestling? Usually, if Davy Boy's wrestling single, so is Dynamite. Or maybe Dynamite's else hurt. on the same card. Is he hurt? Well, I mean, he's always, we know he's hurt anyway. Yeah. But he was, maybe he just, it was acting up on him yeah. uh, this particular week or, or had to get another little uh, surgery or something. I thought that um, was pretty good, though. I like watching Davy Boy single. And I heard yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought this it was leads us pretty good. Down the line, uh, yeah. single career, great single career for him. All right. Up next, we got some titles. Um, up on the line here. Uh, if they were on the line, I'm not sure. I don't think they said. Uh, but Bret Hart and Jimmy Hart defeated Mr. Fuji, subbing for Kamala. And Sika at 7.04, uh, after Fuji attempted a power slam at Nightheart, Bret dropkicked Nightheart in the back, so he landed on Fuji for the pin. Cool finish. After Love the, the finish. Bout, after the bout, Sika attacked the champions until they were able to get out of the ring. Kind of interesting here. I mean, there's all these guys are heels, right? So it's kind of a heel versus heel match. Uh, maybe testing out the hearts as baby faces. I don't know. Why do you yeah, think we of, got a heel versus heel thing here? One of two things. Like you said, maybe testing out the hearts as baby faces. But they used to do this quite a bit, especially with the Boston Gardeners. A heart foundation against Sheik and Volkov match in 86. That's on one of the best of Coliseum videos. And the hearts play the faces for that that match, too. They would do these uh, uh, with the tag teams uh, once in a while. I think the Dream Team faced an, uh, a heel team somewhere down the line, one, one of those house shows and uh, stuff like that. And also, so I, I don't know. I don't know if it was the test. Or, and what a different match it would be if it had Kamala in it instead of Fuji. Right. And we know why Kamala uh, wasn't there because uh, the following week, uh, September 23rd, was the taping for the Hershey Saturday Night's main event where Kamala didn't want to do the job on uh, TV. So that was probably already just happening. What the talks mistake. about yeah, it and stuff. Mistake. Yeah, he would have had such a big payoff out of that. Some Somebody got in a poor guy's ear. Yeah, dumb. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah. Uh, I mean, of Andre the Giant's doing the job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Idiot. All right, uh, rest in peace, though. No need to speak a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, next, George Steele defeated King Harley Race via disqualification. Wild at seven oh two and race it steal the chair. 
that Steele had thrown in the ring moments earlier. After the bout, Steele chased Race backstage, scared ring announcer Mal Phillips from the ring, and then sat in the ring wearing his crown. This was part of the uh, most embarrassing moments. Uh, yeah, just, <laughs> uh, yeah, George Steele, full George Steele mode here. I found this very entertaining. I found it entertaining, too. I enjoyed it. I don't always the, enjoy him. I enjoyed this. Yeah, I mean, Harley Race, of course, you could get a way better match out of, of course. But, I mean, you got to have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Can't be the same thing every night. You know what I mean? So you got to have some fun. But he was, when the animal was throwing those chairs in there, my God. I That could have, you know, he was throwing them up so high that that could have easily got out of control and hit, hit a fan. You know, <laughs> like, whoosh. Wild. Shades and he, of the ECW t- arena. Like, are we in Philly yeah. or are we in Boston? Yeah. Right. And talk about being over the animal. You know, and uh, yeah. Pete Doherty, I thought, did a pretty good job on uh, Mike and that ass ass. Don't do it, animal. <laughs> good shit. Good fun. So, I, could, I wouldn't be able to take Pete Doherty on every show, but once in a while, I that, it was a treat to have him. Good change up. Yeah. All right, Dave, the moment. It's the world championship match. Hulk Hogan. Pins Killer Khan with Mr. Fuji at 939 with the leg drop after blocking Khan's green mist and rubbing the mist into the challenger's eye. What a finish. Amazing finish. Early in the bout, Khan accidentally spat the green mist into the referee's eye when Hogan moved out of the way. In a second, referee continued the match. Now, this match airs on the unreleased archives. I'll give a few comments and then I'll let you go, Dave. I was wondering, were they rehearsing this potentially for a Saturday night's main event? Because that spot they did with the referee would be perfect for Saturday Night's Main Event. That's where you could go to a commercial. Um, So I just had that thought. Obviously, that match never happened, so probably not. But as someone who watched so many of those Saturday Night's Main Event matches, uh, it made me think of that. That that's the match, the structure they came up with would be perfect for that because... There's your break, natural break right there. Maybe because Khan was a territory guy too. Maybe he didn't want to do it either. Yeah, maybe. Because he's gone shortly not, after. Uh by definitely by November, because the last show we did, he was being subbed out also by Sika against a match of Jake on that. Well, that was a January eighty eight uh Saturday night's main event. He, he may he may have squeaked he wasn't on a Survivor series, so he might have squeaked into December, but I don't think so. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with he was gone by November. Yeah, so they do. They do two Saturday Night's Main events with Bundy, but they kind of went neck and neck. They had it. They had to do the two of them. So I was gonna say maybe one of those is supposed to be con. But yeah, you you make a very valid point there. That would have been perfect for that. Yeah, just a thought. Um, second, as soon as Hulk came out, I noticed his hand was wrapped. Um, I obviously haven't seen this match till now. I don't think I have this DVD set. So probably I did watch it when I got it, but maybe fell asleep during that. You know, I didn't exactly remember. What DVD set is this on? Uh, the Unreleased Archives. Unreleased Archives? Okay. Yeah, I can see it across the way from me there. Um, But I noticed it right away. And the way they utilize it for him to block the mist with that and have it absorb into the thing and then to have him use it then against Khan is so brilliant. I thought this was booked so good. Maybe it's PTSD, but I was scared for the title even in 2024 watching. I believed Khan is a threat. Um, I was scared of what he could do. I was scared of what Fuji might do. I was scared Hogan was out there alone. Um, It's a great brawl. It's not too long. 
The crowd was hot. To me, this is professional wrestling at like its finest. Um, I'm going to give it 4.75. I don't know if that's a hot take. Not going to quite go five. Um, but five I'm saving for the Hogan-Andre type moments. Um, but in terms of what you can do at a live event, I don't know if it gets better than this. Yes. Um, I love the structure. I love the the action. I love Hulk selling. I love the offensive con. Like I said, I'm fearing for the title. Uh, the crowd believes the whole time. You can feel the tension, and you can feel the relief when Hulk outsmarts them. Um, the only thing we didn't have is Jesse and Gorilla kind of going back and forth, you know, about I would have loved her Jesse just flipping out because Hogan cheated with the mist. Yeah. Uh, but that's, you know, whatever. Is uh, it cheating though? Because he tried to do it to him. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm just saying that's what Jesse yeah. would say, and then oh, absolutely. yeah, and then you know, Gorilla would say, "Well, no, it's not cheating. He's but people, in, uh, fans, and fans in hindsight to yeah, this day say Hogan cheats, but they don't say Austin cheats. It's the same thing. Yeah, they're idiots. you know what I mean. They're haters. It's retali- re- yeah, retaliation. Yeah, they're haters. Um, I love Steve Austin, but it's the same. It's the same thing. Hulk got dirty. Sometimes he had to, and why? Because he was protecting. The belt he was protecting Alchemania is protecting all of us. That's, That's right. part of it. So I don't have any problem with anything he did. Uh, war is hell. And sometimes Hogan had to go to war uh, for that title and for Hulkamania. And uh, that's why he's the hero he is still in 2024. That's why Paula finds him relatable. You know, that's why he's timeless. That's why Hulkamania is, in fact, immortal. Uh, but I love this 4.75. Those are my thoughts. Go ahead, Dave. Okay, yeah, so I'm going to talk about the match uh, that I was at. the same match, sure. same match, you know. So I, was, I wasn't I was a cocky Hulkamaniac yet in 1987. I just had turned seven in June. This was August. Uh, the match I was at was August 1st. And so I was, the match was starting. I almost didn't want it to start. I was scared shit. And I don't know if it was my uncle or my dad, one of them, come back from getting popcorn or something like, Oh, I remember I'm still, I think I like matured like out of nowhere where I would never a year after this, I never would have believed this. I'd be like, yeah, right. But like, Oh, we, we I ran into Jesse Ventura out, out in the hallway and he said, this, this is definitely it for Hogan. This, this, this is the, the, the t- title's gone. And, you know, I love that. What <laughs> trolls they were. They... <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my you know, God, they're what? laughing their ass off. I'm like, yeah, I'm looking at yeah. I'm looking for Jesse. Like what, what, what's Jesse? There's no one. I thought there were no one out there. Oh no, but he's gonna he's here for the big the big title change, you know? And uh yeah, when he first blew that uh the the sputum, as I like to call it, and in in the the ref's eyes and the refs taken out it was like controversy right away. So I was shaking shaking in my little converse, you know, at the time. And I think I used to wear one red one and one blue one, thinking I was cool. And um yeah, I just you know, as as the match went on and uh uh you know, the back and forth and and then just I, I remember that finish, and I just remember the place just you know going absolutely crazy as they did at at the Boston Garden, and uh, we even saw Hulk. Uh, we used to go outside after the matches and watch uh, the tunnel. The wrestlers would drive out, and uh, we saw you know we saw Hulk drive out in his car, and everybody would surround it, and you'd be able to. I wish I don't have the. I have a picture of uh, him and Brutus in a car together, but that was a few years later. But um. I you know, we were able to get the picture of him dri- driving a car. He was by himself too. I can't remember what kind of car it was, but uh, yeah, we used to hang out outside the Meadowlands and watch them, watch them drive out. And we did it outside of MSG. It was crazy. Uh, they used to pound on the cars on the heels and try to lift them up. And then 
after SummerSlam 91, a limousine came out and a little kid like somehow saw in the tent. It's Hulk Hogan. And a kid got up and now this is a summer and the sunroof was open and the cars, the limos driving away with the kid's legs hanging out the top of Hulk Hogan's limousine. Wow. Hulk, Hogan, Hulk Hogan must be in there like, uh, hello. You know, like, <laughs> I don't know what they did. If they pulled, I, I may have told the story on here before. I don't know. They must have pulled I don't think over so. That's somewhere. wild. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let this kid out of his gun. The kid had to be, you know, 12 years old. You know, he wasn't, he, he wasn't 17, you know? Wild. Yeah. Wild. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what a match. Uh, yeah. This is just, uh, this is prime Hogan, 1987. Prime Hogan popularity. Unless you want to maybe go with it, the 85. 80, I think any time between 85 and 88, right? Is Absolutely. pretty much prime Hogan. Yeah. I mean, it could be debatable. His prime was pick. more than a year. I, yeah. I don't know if anyone has good of an 87 as Hulk. I think, you know. So I think it started. The prime started dipping a little bit after WrestleMania five, maybe a little bit. Yeah, you know, certainly here uh, though. We're we're years from that. Yeah, yeah, we're right in the middle of it, and uh, you know, the Boston Gardens, it's it's just on fire, and those those celebrations. Like, why do I want to watch a man pose? Doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Something with the music. Something with uh, you know, something about him. It's just like you know, it's just it's not like we're checking him out or anything like that. You know what I mean? What, what people might. That didn't live it, might think in hindsight, but it's like you know, it's, it's your hero, like Rocky winning in the movie or Arnold Schwarzenegger beating the Predator at the end, you know. Oh yeah, it's, it's just the same, it's the same thing, and just good. Um, it prevailed over evil, and we're celebrating it. Yeah, it's wonder, wonderful memories. I remember everybody was so happy in the Meadowlands. I don't think he had been there since the Jan- January of '87 TV tapings with the trophies and Piper's Pit. Okay. And he teamed up with Steamboat in a dark match that night. So he hadn't been there in, in six months or so. So, uh, you know, Meadowlands was... I hope we're not confusing our audience. I'm talking about the Meadowlands, the same match I was at, but we're covering the Boston Boston Garden right. match that was on I couldn't watch. The same I couldn't watch the one Dave went to because it doesn't exist on video. It doesn't exist on video. But no. they ran the same match around the horn. It's essentially... Just think Steamboat and Savage. They had the notepad, right? They might not have had a notepad here, but they had a match that they were working, and they worked it in different cities. So Dave is just recalling his specific memories. At, at least there was the referee spot. It's essentially with the blinding, the same. same finish, and the ending yeah. was the same, same yeah. finish. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I was seven years old. I can't remember, you know, what rest hold if they used the same rest holder, or anything, you know, or anything like that. Did <laughs> no, you watch this middle. one back, the one we have access to? Oh, I just watched it for. for uh, yeah, well, I wasn't sure two weeks you, ago. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, incredible, right? Watched the whole car. Yeah. Yeah, oh, ph- phenomenal, phenomenal. The, the whole card, I thought. I mean, it started off slow with the jobber matches and stuff, but uh, there was some entertain- entertainment value in those too. I thought the card was the card was great all around. This this is my prime for uh, for uh, WWF. You know, mid eighty seven. You know, I like. I do also like uh, um, late eighty six. Fall. Of, me and D'Amato love that when we first start in the machines angle when Orndorff first turned on Hogan I like there's a lot of new too, yeah. new stuff going on Steamboat all Steamboat Savage starts in November Steamboat Savage yeah. starts it was right when George Scott left and Pat Patterson started taking over so there's a kind of like a little twist in the company they start uh, championship wrestling changed over to superstars so um yeah from like that that time to like let's say right right around right till 88 you know was it's like ultimate favorite time of uh professional so wrestling to watch it? back on uh you know what it was my first time first ever match ever 
live to see the Hulkster, my hero. I'm still doing a podcast about him. Uh, it's probably cheating a little bit, but the match was fucking awesome. Excuse my language. I'm going. I'm gonna have to go five stars out of sentimental uh, reasons. Fair enough. The the extra two, you at four point seven five. Right. The right, extra so, the extra yeah. little bit is you were there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That makes sense. Right. And yeah. rest in peace, the uh, Killer Khan. Hulk yeah. and Jimmy Hart had uh, visited him in his restaurant uh, not too many years ago, maybe about three or four years ago. And there's a cool picture online of them all together. And uh, Khan looked healthy, but uh, you know things happen. Good stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I reckon any, any old school fan listen to this, Lucas Calhoun, all you guys that, that uh, reach out to us, uh, this, this show is on YouTube. You know, if you want to check it out, you know, it's uh, now, this match at least stuff. is definitely one to watch. Yeah. And the, 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 the steel George Steele stuff is real fun. And uh, I thought the DiBiase match uh, was good, too. And I gave the dates of the shows they're on, too, if you want to try to track down those shows on the More network times. You know, I used to mention the prime times and the so this stuff is out there. But um, all right, Dave, let's take a break. When we come back, we got just a couple things left to do. We got some plugs. We got some emails, some comments, and we're going to tell everybody what we're going to do next time on the 24-inch podcast. So we will be right mm-hmm. back. Four inch podcast. We are back. One last segment. What a match! Woo. I'm still buzzing, Dave. That was so fun. That match. Uh, Highly recommended. Don't forget to check out the Sportscasters podcast. We talked about it earlier. Uh, the latest episode is wrestling related. I spoke to Brian Alvarez uh, from the Wrestling Observer. I also talked to Neil Best from New York Newsday. So if you're in the New York area, I'm sure you know Neil or at least Newsday. Uh, SoundCloud.com/sports-casters. Uh, on SoundCloud, of course, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts, at sports underscore casters on Twitter, uh, the sportscasters at gmail.com. I did want to mention I was on a podcast. There's a guy called Pizza Joe, uh, and he does pizza reviews. And um, it's a Portnoy ripoff, and he knows it is and admits it is. Uh, but, you know, he says, like, I like different pizza than him. My scores are different. We like different things. I do places, you know, he doesn't do. He's in southern Ontario. He does Buffalo pizza, whatever, you know. It's like there's room for more than one. But he also owns a business called Right Choice Real Estate, and he has a podcast, and I went to Welland, Ontario. Uh, Wayne Fleet is his specific town in Welland, uh, and I went there, and it's about two-hour and a half conversation. Uh, So if you want to know more about me, just search Pizza Joe on YouTube, and you will find the uh, podcast there. Uh, two hours and 45 minutes of me talking. He does not get much in. It's just me. I saw talking. some of it. <laughs> uh, it's a lot of Steve talking. So if you can put up with that. Nothing wrong with that. There's, uh, there's not too much to listen to <laughs> nowadays anymore. There's so much that there, there's 
it, it become you know the podcast industry has become so much that's kind of jumped the shark a little bit. So like, I like our stuff and you know Justin's stuff the best at a you know out of and shout out to Justin Scott and Rocco at a great episode of uh, yeah making uh, the Rocco's towns uh, SummerSlam '89. You can check that out on the North South uh, page as well. Always like to check that out. Uh, our friend Peter Winson and Dave and I. Since this our last show, we have a video out uh, where we talk about WrestleMania Five main event for Cronoso. That's available on the North South page, and that video has been really well received, a lot of views and good comments. And I think that format is really good. Um, I really like doing those. I feel like I have a good control of the conversation. I feel like we move it around well. I feel They're like fun. we mix up good perspectives, and I think it's so much better than a live watch. I hate those. Um, I think this is way better, but eh, maybe other people would disagree. Don't forget to check the 24-inch podcast out, our podcast. All episodes are available on the Sportscasters feed on SoundCloud. Uh, all 47 episodes, I think I said. This is number 47. Uh, at 24-inch podcast on Twitter, at 24 underscore inch underscore podcast. On Instagram, the 24-inch podcast group, you can join it. Uh, it's private. We had to make it private because North-South Connection had a stalker. And then they were going to try to get us because North-South Connection blocked everything, so I had to block it. But if you just search 24-inch podcast on Facebook, we'll join you in. It's a world come to people stalking professional wrestling pages. Yeah, unreal. Um, And then you can email us, 24inchpodcast at gmail.com as well. So those are the plugs. Uh, Let's do emails next, and then we'll finish with what we're going to do. Dave, why don't you start us off? I know you have some regulars. Usually, who uh, emails, and I have one from a first timer that came in on uh, two four inch podcast at gmail.com. All right, we're going to start with Tim from California, Los Angeles, Hollywood. Two things, too bad, so sad about CM Punk. My prediction oh, came hold through. Hold on, hold on. Before we get to Tim, I want to give a shout out to Fred Mangione. The great Fred Mangione helped me. Buy Italy tickets uh, in Dave's neighborhood, pretty much. Harrison, New Jersey. What are you, two towns over from that? One. One town over. Harrison, New Jersey, Italy on March 24th. We'll be there. They're playing Ecuador. Little did I know Ecuador has a large population in Queens, I guess, and has sold that building out on their own. So there was a lot of panic in the Italian soccer community that it'd be a mad scramble for tickets. Only 24,000 available, and Italy hasn't been here since... uh, 14, 19 years, um, but Fred knew the guy <laughs> uh, with the Red Bulls and, you know, a text, a call, bada boom, bada bing. Next thing you know, I got six tickets. And I get to meet Paula exactly. and your wife, right? Yes, yeah, Paula. Yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, my brothers will be there, Paula. We could do a little dinner one of the nights or yeah, something we'll like that. Definitely, nice. You might need to take a day off, you know, or something, or half a day. I could do something. that. Yeah, yeah I got plenty of days. Yeah, yeah. you're going to have to. Um, yeah. Because, you know, the game, we're going to get there Saturday, but then the game is probably all day Sunday. And then, you yeah, know. no, that's it. Yeah, well, just just give me a heads up, a couple of weeks. Yeah, we'll up. figure that we'll out. T- but anyway, we'll take, take off. quickly, I wanted to give a shout out to the great Fred Mangio. Thank you, Fred. All right, go ahead. What does Tim have to say? All right. The this second the best. And I'm sorry, Tim, but you're officially the second best Mangio. Look, yeah. <laughs> I like you, but until you do something like get me Italy tickets. You got to be second best. That's just how it goes. And you might even be number third behind Mason Mangio. What a great. One of the great hoopers in New Jersey high school basketball right now. Go ahead, Dave. 
Uh, th- this is the last CM Punk burial I'm going to read by Tim because uh, I'm not a CM Punk fan, but I'm just tired of the same the same old continuous things. Yeah, come on, constantly. Tim. What else? Yeah, do you got? so I'll, I will read you this this last one, but if we get any more, we're gonna, we're going to skip over it. Too bad, so sad about CM Punk. My prediction came true, and that turd wouldn't even have make it to mania. It couldn't happen to a better person. Well, I'm not a CM Punk fan. I don't think I would That's ever break bread. Though, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. I wouldn't wouldn't ever break bread with the guy. I wouldn't want to see. I don't want to see anybody get injured though. So, you know, so I might talk hockey time. with him. He's a big hockey fan. Yeah, he doesn't seem like a happy person. No, but I, he likes Pepsi too. Pepsi and hockey. Yeah, like, we have those like two Pepsi. things in common. Okay, so now t- Tim's real question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you guys think the big man, the Hulkster, will make an appearance at WrestleMania? And lastly, Steve, amazing show with Bob Costas. Oh, nice. Okay, I'll go first about the Hulkster. Uh, Hulk did play a role in the Royal Rumble. He did those um, intros, voiceovers about uh, St. Petersburg area. Um, he was up in a box with Jimmy Hart and Dory Funk Jr. He got a huge ovation, a big Hogan chant. They didn't announce him on television, but um, there's YouTubes of it and stuff. I would think he'll be there. Maybe. I don't know if they're going to have him come out, but maybe in the backstage uh, segment. Or something. He seems to be on very good terms with the company right now. But I'd say sixty percent yes, forty percent no. Yeah, I guess it depends what you mean. Like I think he might be around that weekend. You know, maybe he does an appearance somewhere for them or this or that. But I think when it's in his hometown, they don't use him. They're probably not going to use him in Philadelphia. You know what I mean? And they're going to have a bazillion things to do otherwise. But you, I mean, he's fair game to pop up anywhere. I would say. Uh, so maybe I go a little uh, bit backstage. Lo- I, I, I go a little closer to fifty fifty than sixty forty, but you know, if I had to put my money on it, like my money, I'd probably put it on no. Um, okay, just only because like they had a perfect opportunity in in, in Tampa, and they didn't. So why now would you? Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he was there, but he I mean, was there, he, but they he, they didn't. He wasn't yeah. on, yeah. So they didn't get to. So I would say no, but if if I, my money was on it now. If it was just, do you think it could happen? Yeah, of course. I think it could happen. Why not? Well, it is a 40th anniversary. He's been yeah, part of, of 30th. Course. Yeah. So. Yeah. Ryan was asking me today, did you see his big pop at 21? Of course I did, Ryan. How dare you? I've seen all of his appearances at WrestleMania. All right. Uh, Bob Costas. Yes, that was awesome. Thank you, Tim, for checking that out. Um, Long time Bob Costas fan. Um, and he agreed to do my show, The Sportscasters. And I studied for the whole break. I watched like 130 episodes of his amazing television show later that used to air after David Letterman. Seen him do interviews with some amazing people like Bob Seger, who never did a lot of TV interviews like that. Uh, Paul McCartney, when he was just kind of getting back out there in the 80s. Uh, Who else did I see? The guys from the Eagles. I saw... um, TV personalities, sports, Mickey Mantle, it's great stuff. I was ready. I think it's a good interview. It's about an hour long. If you want to check it out, uh, it's on the Sportscasters feed. So thank you, Tim. Okay. All right. What is uh, – you want to do Kevin now, and then I'll read yeah, Kevin, new friend. Yep. Kevin Hogan from Nutley. Guys, thanks for putting this match on my radar. I had no idea that Hulk Hogan and Killer Khan ever had a feud. A quick point first. In kayfabe <clears> – <throat> I think that Killer Khan should have been disqualified numerous times at the beginning of the match. Gorilla Monsoon would love you, Kevin Hogan. <laughs> My question, I'm sure you covered it during the review, but who was the guy with the over-the-top Boston accent doing color commentary? 
Well, I guess he just watched God the bless you, Kevin. Yeah, God bless you. Yeah. While he is no Bobby Heenan, I thought he was the unsung star of the match. He was. He was yeah. good. He was really good. I thought he was good. Like I said, he talks like this. Like, my Dave, you got me the wrong pie. When I do the shopping for uh, my friend Herman over in Harrison. He lives in Harrison, New Jersey. And, um, yeah, I thought he was uh, very entertaining. That, that uh, person's name is the Duke of Dorchester, Pete Doherty, Kevin. And uh, he's from the New England area. He was actually on the first Saturday night's main event. He wrestles Junkyard Dog in a rare New York appearance at the Nassau Coliseum. And he was a mainstay at the Boston Garden shows, did some commentating. I even think he did a commentated a half show at Madison Square Garden at one time. So, um, yeah, and I remember as kids, we, we liked him. He was on prime, they would show his Boston Garden matches on primetime wrestling all the time. And we thought he was really funny. You know, he even had a match with Bundy at the Boston Garden because he, he did something to him in a bunkhouse battle royal or something a month before. So then Bundy got the, got the squash from the next month at the Boston, <laughs> at the Boston Garden. And that was the other quest. I don't want to give up, give away any Kevin secrets, you know, but I am going to be in New Jersey for a few days. And, you know, if any trouble has, has uh, should, could, should come to me, you know, while I'm uh, on the roadways, you know, hopefully I can. Maybe we can invite Kevin. Hopefully to, uh... I can mention your name, Kevin. To our get together as well. Yeah. Oh, Kevin, you're if more than available. welcome. Yeah, you're more than welcome yeah. to come in. All our friends in New Jersey. Unfortunately, yeah, Calvin Chet. won't be able to make it. But yeah, yeah. rest in peace to him. But yeah, Chat, uh, Uncle Tito wants to come. Uh, Uncle Tito's also no longer. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh. Just hoping, just wishing. Tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow's actually my grandma's. Uh, I thought maybe you just had a brain fart there for a second. <laughs> just wishing, just wishing out loud. Yeah. Tomorrow's actually my grandmother, Paula. It would have been her 95th birthday. Um, and I don't know about God other bless. people. Yeah, we, we actually, we and Paul, Paul wanted to celebrate, so we got big balloons. You know those big number balloons? We got a nine and a five, um, and we decorated, and she's going to, I don't know. I don't know. She wanted to celebrate. I like this. I, 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 like, reason, I, I like reasons to take off work, too. <laughs> yeah, this will be good. Uh, but, yeah, everyone in New Jersey, of course, will be invited. We'll, we'll give more details as we get closer. It's in March, March 24th, Sunday, March 24th, at 4 o'clock in game, so. Forza Azuri, and then hopefully after... Yeah, I might want to talk to one of my friend's uh, sons about Crohn's disease, too. Yeah, really I told you. Out. I've always been available yeah. for that. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. Absolutely. All right. Well, do we have anything else from Kevin, or are we good? I'm good on my side. All right. Uh, first timer here. Uh, this is James. He's in the Philadelphia area. Uh, he says, I'm a new listener of the show, uh, longtime listener of Peter Winston's work, and finally, after seeing your video... On Crinoso decided to check out the 24-inch podcast. Thank you uh, for that. Thanks for checking us out. Uh, he wants to know, have we done anything in the Spectrum? I'm sorry, Steve. Who's this person? James. His name? name is James. So we got new. Okay. Hey, yep. James. Yep. New guy in the Philly area. And his question basically is, we ever have we ever done anything from the Spectrum You know that aired on TV there? And if not, do we plan on doing it? I guess, or if so, do we plan on doing it? The answer is we had one request in the past. For a Philadelphia show, we did it, and we'd be more than welcome to do another one. So if you have a specific one you would like to see, send it over, and we'll be glad to get it on the list at the very least. And if you want to go into our archives, uh, it's Adrian Adonis uh, match was from the Spectrum. Yeah, I I can tell you what episode that was. Give me one one second. Uh, It's episode 22, the Spectrum versus Adonis. So the 20 season one. Episode 22. We covered that. 1986 match. It's a good so, card with um, Greg Valentine from 84. Maybe we could do that one one time. We've never done, never done anything with Greg yet. 
All right, Dave, what are we doing next? I love that idea. You know what? Valentine is also Hulk's opponent in his second match uh, on the Body Slam episode of the A-Team. That is correct. So maybe we'll cover that one sometime. Uh, but go ahead, Dave. Uh, what do you got for next time? Tell the people. Okay, we're returning to our comfort zone. Gotham, New York City's Madison Square Garden, the Mecca. Uh, we're going to go back to 1985 when really Hulkamania was really blowing off. This is the time where the toys were hitting the shelves, the the notebooks, the folders, the bed sheets, all this kind of stuff was all all coming all at once right at this time. It's June of 1985 as Hulk Hogan takes on the magnificent one, Don Morocco, inside a 15-foot high, 15-foot wide steel cage. Three of three. It's the, yep. Three of three. It's the third of three matches. So this is a re-rematch. And uh, you know, maybe someday we'll get to the prior matches, but this is the best of, of the three. Uh, but we're going to take a step uh, into the garden. First time talking about the legendary WWE Hall of Famer, the magnificent Don Morocco, one of my all-time favorites. A great, great, great heel. And we haven't done a 85 house show, like an MSG show, in a long time. We did do, last season, we did do um, WrestleMania. That's uh, 41. And we did do the Saturday Night's Main Event 2 versus Volkov. That's uh, 43. 43 and 36. Excuse me. Episode 36 is WrestleMania. Episode 43. But we haven't done an MSG 85 show or a house show at all in 85 since episode 12. Wow. Uh, So. What was that? uh, Macho Man. Okay. And then we also did. Episode six, we did Piper. Episode six, Piper. Oh, uh, Water Settle Score. Okay. Yep. So. Almost got me there. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, all we've done so far um, in 85. So. Looking forward to this one. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is uh, the Bulldogs are new around this time. I'm not sure if they're on this card or not. But uh, a, lot of, a lot of transformation. The LJN figures were just coming out. This is. This is that time right after WrestleMania was successful. Boom. That's when everything started. You know, they signed the deal with NBC. You know, the first Saturday Night's Main Event was only a month before this. So this is that real big boom, the start of that big, big boom period that we call the golden era. Well, there's only one thing left to do on this show, Dave. That will be for next time. This has been a fantastic show. I enjoyed the news. I enjoyed our bios there some talking bees paul was on seemed three days ago but that's it for today we move on to next time and in the meantime i ask friends that you say your prayers eat your vitamins and tell your friends like our new friend jimmy tell your friends out in philly there about the 24 inch podcast brother <laughs> <laughs>